0: Hello everyone and welcome to Weekly Monga Recap. It's March the 9th of 2022. I didn't just stare at my clock in order to make sure I got the date right. Hello, I'm Nick. I'm here with Chris. That's me. And also, and also
1: someone else. Who's that someone else? I
0: don't know. They sound sexy.
1: <gasps> they do. They sound like a little, a little Snorlax I cuddle with. <laughs>
2: Every time I guess on a podcast and I have to decide if I'm going to be self-effacing or super confident yeah. and I never know before I open my mouth, I'm going to be like, oh, no, he sounds like someone who sucks, someone who should eat shit and die. Or like, someone with a big dick. You never know what you're going to get.
0: It's Austin Yorsky of Dice Funk.
2: Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who's,
2: Austin, a great start. who's
1: Austin Yorsky of Dice Funk?
2: yeah i don't know just some guy he plays dungeons and dragons for a living you've both been on his show talking about himself in the third person that's a choice he made
1: yeah just type dice funk into something and it'll come up i think you could type it into spotify it'll come up you can type it into recipes.com i believe something comes up uh you can type it into (laughs) fanfiction.net i have no idea what comes up but something will come up i'm sure and, yeah, uh, more,
2: more fan fictions than recipes, I imagine. Yeah,
1: you go to homedepot.com, you type in Dice Funk, you get you get a result, and uh, it's pretty interesting.
0: Every day that we bring up fanfiction.net, a little part of me wonders if anyone's ever going to discover the very embarrassing crossover fan fiction I wrote when I was 13. It's still on there.
1: Can you give a hint to one of the, the franchises involved?
0: Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Ah, oh, Damn
1: i'm really well, hoping so, no no wait, really, it's not pokemon, I'm really, I'm pokemon
0: really hope- didn't pokemon didn't make it to the version i put up on ff.net i actually took that out Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> like legend of zelda
2: i re- <laughs> think I, it would have ruined the atmosphere i was going
0: for
1: i really need you to have put something very specific in there that really dwindles the the, the possibilities down like oh it was legend of ronmo one half it was legend of zelda pokemon and designing women <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I don't. You have to understand that thirteen year old me didn't have such broad tastes. So thirteen <laughs> year old me didn't even watch like sitcoms. So yeah.
1: hey, can I can I start off with a real quick tangent into this gigantic episode of stuff we have we, to talk we, about?
0: go ahead. Yeah,
1: uh, I I saw the new Batman movie, and this is no spoilers. You saw
0: the the Batman, the Batman, Batman, movie? The
1: Batman movie, and there are no spoilers intended or anything like that. Uh, This is like stuff that happens at the first beginning. I just wanted to note. uh, So Jeffrey Wright plays uh, Jim Gordon in this movie, who is essentially the only friend Batman has on the police force. And I I was very tickled uh, that for some reason, uh, Jeffrey Wright, I think, or maybe a director told him to do this, made a choice to have uh, a very particular way of referring to Batman. So, He's the one who kind of has to mediate between like Batman and the police detectives or the other like police officers at points. And whenever things get kind of spicy, he has to calm Batman down. And when he does it, he always is like, calm down there, man. What are you doing, man? Get it together, man. And I, I like the idea that he, he keeps calling him man because he thinks that's his surname. He's like, yes, Mr. Man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that. I did see that film. And it's my understanding that some of the acting is strange because it was made during the height of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that they like everyone is so like not, pretty.
0: And not everyone's acting opposite each other.
2: Well, yeah, there's like some it's it's not necessarily that they were all like distant, but it was like like the director wasn't on set and would like ra- uh, you know radio down and stuff and so they, it wasn't quite as naturalistic as it would have been uh, otherwise. Jeff,
3: I feel Jeff,
0: Jeff, uh, about your use of the word man. Um <laughs> you're breaking no, up. I'm sorry. Sorry man. Yeah.
1: I feel like the at one point I'd have to watch the movie again, which I don't know if I'm going to do for a very long time because that's 3 hours of my life. Uh yeah. but if I swear to god He may have been referring to another police officer, but I swear to God, at one point, uh, Jim Gordon refers to Batman as chief, and I really, (laughs) I also like the idea he just has a really familial relationship with him. Like, come on, dude, we gotta catch the Joker, broski.
0: Like, let's get out there, (laughs) Commissioner. What's the problem? Hey, bro, how you doing? (laughs)
2: Uh yeah, when we, I watched that with Leon Thomas Renegade cut on YouTube, and when it was over, we turned to each other, and I said, "Uh, that was terrible. I loved it." And he said, "That was great. I hated it." <laughs> 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 so if you ever wanted to see two people with the exact opposite tastes, uh, that's us. We're, that that's our comedy dynamic.
1: Which one of you is the clean one, and which one is the messy one in the Odd Couple?
2: That's the thing. We're both the clean one, I think. Oh. But I, I guess I'll give it to him because uh, my situation is very messy because of my partner. So, oh. um, yeah, I yeah. understand, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if perfect, she's an angel. She's never made a mess. She's never drank out of the toilet. Anything you've heard of the con- contrary is slander.
1: Nick and anyone who would raise such a thing is a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, we have so much to talk about today. That's why we brought you Austin do.
0: on yeah well we have one specific thing we were talking about um i need you guys to explain something to me okay what was this manga about
3: okay
1: interesting. <laughs> so i'll take the lead on this uh we are talking about kamigawa neon destiny which is a set based neon on. Dynast- Dynast- already off to a bad start got the name wrong what kamigawa neon dynasty Said, you said, destiny. He said destiny. Uh, whatever they're very similar <laughs> words. I had a stroke, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta give me a break on these things. Come on, uh, well, there's the
0: first weaponization.
1: <laughs> uh, Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty, which is a set in the Magic the Gathering universe, and is a set that was originally based off of Japanese mythology, infamously one of the most uh poor selling sets in Magic's history, so much so that people would frequently ask, hey, can we return to Kamigawa? And the response was, no, it sold really poorly. So a return is going to be pretty difficult. And then later on, they started adding the terms like the way it was or some, or, "or under the same flavor that it was. So they, they did find a way to return to Kamigawa. It just involved them getting rid of most of the mythology stuff and adding Gundams and anime references. <laughs> and that's how we got to Neon Dynasty, which they decide to celebrate By releasing a manga that explained the story.
2: Do you think it's a surprise to your listeners that Magic the Gathering has an ongoing story?
1: To a certain extent, in the same way that I I sometimes get surprised there are are lore and things that I'm like, surely no one cares that much about this. But then you find out there's, you know, like I didn't think there were five nights at Freddy's lore. And then you find out that there's like hours and hours of lore videos on it. (laughs)
2: It's mostly lore. Yeah.
0: Very minimal gameplay.
1: <laughs> I just thought robots attacked it, you.
0: You could argue that there are entire people whose online careers are based on the fact that those games exist and people read far too deeply into them. So,
1: yeah.
0: yep.
2: Uh, But yeah, for the last 30 years, Magic the Gathering has been releasing sets, as you said, of these cards, and the cards, in addition to being game pieces, tell a story, although you kind of have to connect the dots yourself, usually, you just have to like, oh, this character and this character, through context clues, have these traits and this, you know, relationship or whatever, but it's very indirect, this manga that we're talking about today, Uh, attempts to make a direct story that you can read. They used to release books. No one bought them because who reads, you know? (laughs) It's all about comics these days.
1: You say that. There there are uh, online stories that they now put on the Wizards website that will try to explain the plot. And now also sometimes they'll release like side ones to be like, hey, one of our legendary creatures was a toad with a magic hat. What's that character story? (laughs) And they'll explain that. It's Um,
2: interesting. They tried to reboot the fiction a number of times. They keep being like, oh, we're bringing it back. And except for the Ixalan story, which was really well received, usually what happens is uh, people are like, this sucks and no one reads it and it goes away for a while until they try
1: again. Yeah. Uh, So they're still they're still in the process of trying that. Uh, I wanted to especially note it because you can see this, the story that we read here essentially is told in five parts that you can find on uh, the Magic website. I think it's mtgstory.com. I'll send it to you there. And an important note is that they credit Akemi Don Bowman, who I probably butchered, as the author of all that. A gesture they did not do to whoever they commissioned out to write the manga for uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty because I don't know who wrote that. No one seems to know.
2: It's yeah, they've had a strange history with their uh editing error with their like, crediting. They they do it really well for the artists on the cards, but there's been a lot of controversy about uh people not getting the credit they deserve. So, Hasbro do better Wizards do better. Rough.
1: So Nick, now that you've heard that explanation, did it answer any of your questions about what happened in the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty manga?
0: No.
2: I'm so fascinated to learn how this hit you because I know all these characters. I know why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, this but... mug is bad, so... <laughs> okay, but was it comprehensible? Like, Did it mean anything? No.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> what, awesome. That's the reason for that. so what, I want to clarify. I think that this looks pretty nice. It's a little bit weird at points because it's... Not exactly what I would would call to call what you would think of as like a manga style. It's kind of someone trying to almost imitate what they would think a manga looks like uh, in some places. Uh, And in others, it's like, okay, it looks really cool. There are also some bits of it that are uh, either in color or have a sort of uh, non black and white palette to it so like instead of like you know being black white and gray it's like shades of white green and gray and mm-hmm. it looks kind of cool um I think the designs are bad <laughs> but that's not the artist's fault because they're yeah, using what you know already exists uh but the main character looks stupid okay. his hair's dumb
2: I, uh, I just gotta say my google foo has uh, given me the name Ryu kame. As the manga artist, I'll put this in the chat for the spelling. But this is my understanding of who.
1: Okay, it is actually it was,
2: should be credited. I was gonna for this. say it's
1: not credited on the website anywhere, and I couldn't find any credit on the, the wikis or anything like that. So hopefully, which is, is strange because for the main set they got guest manga artists for the cards, yeah. uh, including the Fist of the North Star guy and the Metal Gear Solid guy. Yeah, I, I wanted because Nick just said the main character Kaito uh, sucks and he looks dumb. I want to note, he's like a stealthy ninja. However, <coughs> Magic is now on a big, like, spree of essentially drawing their uh having like alt art versions of cards and the alt art version of kaido is the one drawn by the fifth fist of the north star artist so in his regular art he's this leaf little fucking tiny ninja and then in his art he's got these gigantic super muscles and like a fucking cudgel in his backhand it's the fucking wildest difference of the character and uh it is the far superior art version
2: Yeah, I'll post this in the the chat for you, Nick. But this thing they've been doing recently is having 10,000 versions of every card. And I mean, it does give you choice of which one you want to have, which is nice. But also it really muddies the aesthetic waters where you're like, is this person (laughs) 10 feet tall or like four foot five? (laughs) Are they, you know, left handed? I don't Who knows anymore?
0: I will sum up what happens in this manga from what I can remember of it. And also while flipping through the pages of the website. Okay. So, uh, there is this ninja kid and he's friends with the empress. Emperor. It's a gender neutral Emperor. title. Okay. Okay. And, uh, so they're, they're childhood buddies and she gets, taken by something Uh (laughs) her her, her
1: planeswalker spark activated and she shot that counts
0: as being taken by something (laughs) that is true something did take her (laughs) and so he fortunately is a planeswalker which i i i would have got look i i knew what that was because i i am familiar with some mtg stuff and also, any terms I'm unfamiliar with are explained in these quote-unquote handy banners that are strewn throughout the first third of the manga in the tiniest fucking crammed-together text imaginable in so that they can bring stuff up in the most incoherent, bad, makes-no-sense ways and then expect you to just read the lore dump, which is not the purpose of having a tie-in story to explain stuff. My Just f- give me the lore <laughs> document if you're going to do that. Don't pretend you're telling a story.
1: My favorite is that they'll they'll give you those little blurbs and then they'll put a term in it later that they have to then explain it or on. So like, are a planeswalker and a futurist. You're like, what the fuck's a planeswalker and a futurist? You're like, we'll, we'll explain that later. It's the next page. Keep reading. Come on. Come <laughs> on.
0: So... He can travel between the planes, and so he, he years pass, and he he's looking for for the emperor, his his childhood bestie, uh, and he has a a robo cat, and he's a terrible looking cyber ninja.
3: Come
1: on, <laughs> it's a tanuki.
0: Whatever. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't tell because it doesn't have massive testicles. How exactly. You
0: know? <laughs> Two out of ten. So <laughs> he, he meets. This other person and they fight, but then they decide that they're both trying to find the emperor and they just kind of do like (laughs) this. The story is like 60 pages long and there's so much ground that it has to cover that. That all the in-between stuff gets skipped and it's just like, and then they find her and then they have to do something because her spark is unstable. So they have to get a different spark or use her to use her spark in a different way or something. Uh, and so she does a thing to save everyone and then the two of them have a dramatic moment uh, and she has to be, she has to, she she has to go away i guess and then the and then the dark firex place is like we're gonna have a new planeswalker bah! and that's the end of the chapter sorry the end of the entire thing <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah i think each individual sentence in your recap should have been its own thing because it's like you could have like here's the meeting timeo kind of chapter here's the infiltrating the lab chapter but having it all as one thing is it's comically fast it's like watching someone do a flip book
1: it's comical uh I, i will note this so you are not wrong that is pretty much the entire plot of this story um I would normally otherwise say that this would be a bad series or a bad set to do sort of this sort of uh, story about. However, uh, Magic, uh, we did a bonus podcast uh, several yes. years ago that had Austin on it, where we tried to explain to you the story of Magic the Gathering as it was preparing to enter this sort of crescendo gigantic super war arc. Um, after that ended, Magic's right. story kind of just paused for like three years And every set after that was essentially a standalone set that was designed to kind of either reintroduce us to a character or sort of maybe address a character who's been missing for a while and kind of reestablish their relationship or just introduce us to a new place entirely. And the actual overarching plot was conspicuously absent for a very long time. And the closest we had was in Call Time, where another one of the Praetors, I don't know if they actually call them Praetors in this, a creature like Jinkataxis, but this one was the green one instead of the blue one, showed up as like... <laughs> this will sound like gibberish. Yeah, it sounds this like This has a to be absolutely
2: fucking <laughs> <the> unparceable.
1: <laughs> uh, it showed up as like a cameo, but that was about it. It kind of alluded to the idea, hey, we're eventually going to have to deal with the Phyrexians, who are sort of like robot murder monsters, essentially.
0: Pyrexians were around when I played the game, okay. I remember.
2: Okay. Yeah, they were the villain for the first, like, 15 years of Magic Story, and then they disappeared, and then there was the, what's called the Gatewatch arc, which was essentially an attempt to make the Avengers. They wanted to be, like, Marvel's, like, you know, equivalent. And that was it. had a mixed response, and it culminated in the, yeah, the war arc that we took, we've mentioned. And then since then, people are like, well, who are the heroes now? Like, well, the Gatewatch isn't showing up anymore. What are the stakes? Who are the villains? And so now they're slowly reintroducing the Phyrexians. But in real time, it's taken like 10 years yeah. <laughs> because... I got back into the game with Kaladesh, which I was that was before I even went to law school. So it must have been like eight years ago or something. And that's when Tezzeret, who shows up in this manga, gets the bridge, which allows them to transport uh, Phyrexians from plane to plane because their weakness historically has been that they can't. Uh, planeswalk and so they were stuck and their machinations ah. couldn't spread throughout the universe but then Tezzeret who was like a half metal man and remember the Phyrexians their whole they're a cult dedicated to replacing organics with machines so they have a natural like affinity for each other although maybe Tezzeret has his own agenda <sighs> um, so he gets the bridge and then it's like all right so now it's Phyrexian time and that I mean, you could have, uh, you could have gone through high school and middle school since that happened yes. and now he's back. <laughs> like it's the t- following the story. It's like a lifelong
1: endeavor. It it's is so it, wild. It is worth noting. So Kaito is a brand new planeswalker in this story. He was introduced in this set. Uh, the wanderer and Tamio, uh, are the other two planeswalkers who show up. They both have not done anything since war of the spark where they also kind of just showed up as cameos essentially. So mm-hmm. this is essentially yeah. a set of mostly new characters. The the big sort of thing is like, oh, at the end, Tamio has been turned into a planeswalker. So this is what they the, this is what the Phyrexians are trying to do. A plot point has happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you've been following magic okay, and you you could so be yeah. attached to Tamiyo and this could have ended with like a serious gut punch. I know it didn't mean anything to you, Nick, but there are people for whom this was like a real like waterworks, like genuine sadness.
0: I just read one of the little notes that's in the margins. OK, I'm just going to read it off. <laughs> Himoto, Kaito's <laughs> Tanuki drone. However, <laughs> its true identity is Himoto, the Kami of the Spark. She is housed within the drone and Kaito calls her by the nickname Pon Pon. Yeah. So what? Why is this a manga so, if it's just going to be a list of facts? So <laughs> this is a very interesting
1: thing. Although Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is, has been a, an extraordinarily well-received set. Uh, it sounds like the early numbers say that this was a resounding success for them to return to. It is trying to build upon some of the lore that exists previously And this manga does not take time to explain any part of it. It doesn't explain that this is a world where like the spirits and humans kind of live side by side and have different aspects and evolve with each other. Like... There's very little time spent for the notion of what, what Ryodai or whatever, which is sort of like the very essence of Kamigawa itself, which is a gigantic dragon of praying arms interlocked together with screaming faces upon its head. <laughs> like, I feel like that should have been a much bigger deal, but you see it in like one panel and then it, it never shows up again, really. And, uh, you know, it's uh, look. I will say this, I, I have read this manga, I've also, uh, a shout out to Magic Arcanum, which is a YouTube channel that basically explains the magic storyline set by set, uh, which is helpful for me because I don't really follow it as closely as I used to, uh, I watched that video as well, and from what I can gather, this is essentially the story. Uh, Kaido walks from place to place, uh, a couple people <laughs> show up, he fights Jinkataxis. Kataxis. And then it kind of just ends (laughs) and there's like, they make mention to like seven different factions who don't do anything and um, dope it's over. (laughs)
2: And what's even doper is this is going to happen three more times because they need to introduce the other three praetors who each need to, like, steal an item from a plane. Because in Kaldheim, <laughs> uh, Vor and Kleks got, like, the fucking whatever from <laughs> Essica. Know.
1: This is unfortunately what Magic story has become is they're like, we've gone to a new plane. And it's like, all right, cool. What weird stupid MacGuffin is there going to be that they need to take? Because that has been Magic story for, like, three straight years right now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because they got to get all the MacGuffins together to have the actual meaningful uh, arc, I guess. But I mean, you, said, you mentioned Kyodai's art. I've seen the card and it didn't really sink in that this dragon was made of faces until this manga. So if nothing else, I, I really did uh, uh, take something from this reading, which is what a weird looking dragon.
1: Yeah, that's like body is literally made up of praying hands. And I was like, that feels like that should be way more notable.
2: It's an Elden Ring boss. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just looked it up also. Gin uh, his last appearance was in 2011. So literally 11 years since we got to see this character, who I think is very cool, who was wearing preposterous pants.
1: Okay, Did you catch this yes. man's pants? I, I, I sat there and I was like, Why is Jinkataxis wearing pants? That's the biggest (laughs) question I have. Was he like, a new plane for me to dominate? He's like, well, better get to the culture, though. Get some pants. Might as well rock the style while I'm here.
2: (laughs) He's just, it's the most bananas choice ever. He's wearing these fucking pants. Uh, And then he gets cut in half. And then I, once again, if you don't know anything about these people, this must have been strange. (laughs) He's just fine at the end after getting cut (laughs) in half. Did that register as
0: strange to you, Nick? I didn't really even register it at all (laughs) just guys showed up they kind of fought. you got to see about 180th of a fight scene each time it happened and then it was over yeah that's right
1: out of curiosity Nick so planeswalkers are sort of the the key IP piece of the magic the store the magic gathering franchise and they're essentially individual superheroes and they all kind of have their own unique gimmick and like fighting thing that they do so like chandra is all about fire and and jace is the mind mage who can manipulate memories and things like that what do you Uh believe kaito does based off this series
0: infiltrate (laughs) things
1: so from what I well he
0: has ninja stars he conjures ninja stars from his sword Right. I, I believe so. that
1: is meant to be what his special sort of fighting gimmick is is he has like a magic sword that can make materials and that's what he fights with uh but i really I don't
0: know it... he, the main character of this story is ten ten
1: <laughs> <laughs> he does hit a couple things though so i think we have to give him a little bit of credit um now what do you believe tamio does because they do not explain that at all she just fucking whips out some scrolls no. and does stuff
0: no, poor Tamio. I, don't, uh, I
2: don't know. She got owned. Poor Tamio. It's, it's especially tragic too because her like defining feature is that she's a mother who like takes care of orphans and is just like the only nice person in this stupid universe. And she at the end she gets fucking her legs get melted or some shit. Do you see this in the final yeah. panel? What is happening with her poor fucking legs? Ugh.
0: They, maybe. Oh, that's Tamio. Them. I didn't even realize that was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, Tezzeret, uh okay, so this is something I mean, if you can finish your point. I just want to say what they've done to Tamio is called completion, which in the Phyrexian cult basically okay. is they've replaced her flesh with metal and now she's like a Right, super right, Sonic right, right,
0: right. I watch Sonic sad and they're roboticizing her. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is this just Sonic? <laughs>
0: Oh, no. Everything Sonic.
2: Comes back to Sonic. And it really is. Who's the big the cat of Magic the Gathering? I, I, It's
1: a Johnny. I don't know
0: why I asked. Probably a bunch of them.
3: <laughs>
1: it is a Johnny. Uh, so with that said, Nick, do you feel, because we have a lot of manga to talk about today, so I feel like we can't yes. spend a ton of time just waxing about this 60 page nothing <laughs> series. <laughs> do you find yourself interested in this series?
0: I think fig- I find myself less interested in the series than before I heard anything about it. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this actively. You had no expectations reading this made you lower. You're like, I hate this now and I know nothing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. I, I mean, yeah, I can see how this could be completely baffling. For me, it was pretty cool, though. I, I like to see, like, at the beginning especially, uh, when they kind of show the art of the old villains, Nicol Bolas uh, an Eldrazi and then just a random fairy. That cracked me up
1: so much. <laughs> it, was it was the two greatest enemies the Gatewatch has ever faced. I don't know. Some fucking tutu with flying, <laughs> <line>, I guess. <laughs> we don't have a third thing. Fuck. <laughs>
0: Our third things the
1: Phyrexians. We can't introduce them now
0: oh my god yeah uh, so the here's the thing this is a spin-off manga of sorts there is always a bit of a weird territory whenever it comes to manga that are based on pre-existing properties uh especially if they are made specifically to promote something else like uh, I remember that there was uh there was a there was a Metroid manga that was that came out of Japan as a cross promotion with uh, zero mission. I want to say pretty damn good manga actually. Uh, but you know, it goes like into like establishing lore and stuff and it's has a degree of freedom to it. That isn't just, and here are is like a summary of the main plot of everything. There's always a challenge of like, if you want to adapt something else into a manga, then you have to also adapt the way that the story is told to an entirely different medium and when that medium is a 60 page illustrated story then there has to be a lot of corners cut because you only have so much room to tell anything i think that maybe the best thing would to do would have been to not do the entire apparent arc of this which i didn't know that was the case so i thought this was a be like an introduction to the story not an entire this set's worth of storylines basically
1: so they have cards uh in magic i feel like i have some right here uh and i don't have them exactly with me but they have cards now that they will mark as being quote-unquote
0: story spotlight cards and these are supposed okay to be yeah cards... yeah i think we talked about that in the uh, bonus podcast yeah, yeah. so
1: like I, I do have a couple here i'll try to throw them up to the camera and probably mess this up completely Uh, so you can see like, uh, when we were young right here is one of them and that's to show the emperor and Kaito when they were young as a story spotlight and anchor to reality is one which shows, uh, the emperor getting the, um, the reality reality chip, chip. which we didn't even
2: talk about as like an important MacGuffin. Yeah. I thought
0: that they stopped trying to rip off the Avengers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard to get away from it. It's consumed all of culture.
1: Yeah. Uh, so mm. these these story spotlight cards sort of go throughout the set. They used to number them. Now they don't. But it's pretty easy to figure out the story. Tamyo being completed is the last story spotlight card. It is the end of the set. It is the end is what we're kind of teasing out to. So this manga literally covers the entire story of Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty.
2: It's wow. very funny that you didn't realize it was Tommy who had been completed, because that's like the gut punch. Like, I, I, I think I genuinely saw when it was revealed, like people on social media being like actually crying uh because this is like a character who's been around for like a long time we and have is someone, like really and we, we, we have someone
1: in our chat right now call uh us, which says honestly killing tamio just killed what little interest i had in the game so yes it is definitely a character that is my i will be right there with you if the next planeswalker completed is angrath if they kill my minotaur man <laughs> it might be he pirate. shows
2: up what's just the second time just to get killed
1: <laughs> Oh man, I'd be so upset. I'd be so butthurt. I'd be like this fucking this bullshit game. I'm going, I'm going to Yu-Gi-Oh and hopefully they have a Minotaur pirate there I can fall in love with.
2: I, I do hope you this, fucker. You killed Chewie. <laughs> I hope this presages the next couple of arcs, though, that they're just going to be the Praetor showing up in increasingly ridiculous clothes and killing off a main character. Or just have fucking Herb with a jaunty hat, oh, Ella man. Schnorn in a pimp coat, just was, <laughs> just wiping out I beloved characters. Say, the
1: next the next set is going to be like noir gangster themed, and I really want one of them to show up in a little suit because they, they're just like it's just like Jinkatax is at the pants. I need a little pinstripe suit. And then they yes. just murk one of your favorite characters and leave.
2: Give Sheldra a Zoot suit. That's all I want. <laughs> Please. All right. The,
0: I can talk about this forever. You have to stop me. The problem that comes down to for me is the fact that it seems as though this manga wasn't really constructed with the mean with the intent of let's try and get people outside of magic into this story. It was more just like, hey, let's have like a. Single threaded story that is an adaptation of the story that we already tell in this and it'll have lots of little fan service bits for people who are already into it. So it sounds like you both were perfectly fine with this whole thing. But again, as someone who has no attachment to any of these characters, this did not make me care about any of them or care about this story. It made the story seem very shallow and
2: bad. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's all shallow. There's always so much you can do in the trading card format. Another plot test we didn't even talk about, the, the reveal that the Emperor was the Wanderer was actually a big news to the community because
0: this character showed up before and everyone was like, oh, uh, who is this? Who's the had, Wanderer? Had had no impact considering that I didn't wait <laughs> years for it. I had to uh-huh. wait 40 pages. So
3: <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: also worth noting it was notable because they're like, oh, it's just like a normal ass person because the grand theory to the entire magic the Community uh, magic the gathering community was that it was going to be the eldritch Bean who said it was locked in the moon but it wasn't actually and was secretly uh masquerading as a planeswalker the entire time and yeah, a lot of people are em- like oh just just a person
2: the wanderer is emerald theory it was just bad we saw her go to jail she's <laughs> in the moon what are you talking about <laughs> Oh, right, but whatever. she
1: controlled Tamio to put her in the moon. She wants to be there. Who knows what machinations she could do from there? Oh my God.
2: They just locked her away because people were tired of Eldrazi.
1: <laughs> that is true. Uh, I will say this uh, this manga was not particularly good, but I don't think the story for this set was particularly good either. Kaido wasn't a very interesting lead uh he's also a blue black planeswalker who acts the most red i've ever seen a planeswalker act in my life everything he does is burst into rooms and attack people he's the worst ninja um <laughs> and i think yeah. he's
0: naruto though that's the point <laughs>
1: Um, but I, I I do appreciate them creating this thing. I I, I like if if they're going to, to continue to basically co-opt cultures to create the sets for their, trading card game that they sell for a lot of profits, it'd be nice if they put that forward. And I I do like the idea of them paying Japanese artists and, and, you know, hopefully Japanese storytellers to help them actually create this set and, and do some cool stuff with that. I think that's, you know, a a good way to at least start trying to do some, some cool things.
0: (laughs) Oh man, I read a lot of chapters for you two. I read some much of the to get through. Yeah. So man. I think that if we're done with the magic manga.
1: Oh, we'll bring it up. We'll pepper it through some episodes through some, <laughs> some chapters.
2: This one piece fight reminds me a lot of the War of the Spark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to give you a little hint, I'm so Undead Unlock, Undead Unlock Undead Unluck is kind of like the throne of drain of manga. <laughs> Higher Academia,
0: chapter number three hundred forty-six. Super hyper unfair broken stage. Um, it's a weird title, but yeah. it okay. does it
1: does describe what the chapter is about. Though it is about a uh,
0: super hyper unfair broken stage. It is absolutely correct. Uh, apparently, by the way, uh, Neturei's got a new haircut, so, uh, a time skip must have happened because a female character got a new haircut. I think Miracle's got a new haircut, too, for that matter. Yeah, I think they both,
1: I think they both just shortened their hair slightly, and, uh... A
0: couple months have passed. Time for a new hairstyle. (laughs) Ladies,
1: am I right, Nick?
0: (laughs) That's, that's just, that's more just... I wouldn't even say lady. I would just say it's like manga, because that's how you demonstrate a time skip has happened. I mean, it's All worth noting different hair. I was
1: gonna say it's worth the only characters we see with different hair are the female characters. Ed Shot or exactly. whatever his stupid name is was like, no, nah, I got to keep this ninety degree fucking
0: arc to my hair. This is fine. My hair stays the same no matter what happens to me. So, <laughs>
1: my
2: hair, uh,
0: Academia. <laughs> 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 God damn it. Uh, it's Bakugo's group. Deku was supposed to be there. They're here to try and beat up Shigaraki slash second all for one. Uh and they are in this giant floating sky arena that also has the UA building in it. Uh and Shigaraki looks around and is like, Oh, I'm floating in the sky. Okay, I'll just disintegrate the entire island. He tries to disintegrate it, and uh, it stops because uh, a tile bursts up from the ground when he tries to disintegrate and just launches him into the air, and then it disintegrates, and it knocks him into an electromagnetic barrier that's hovering over all of them. They're in a giant floating barrier-covered dome with individual parts to transform and launch and stuff so that he can't disintegrate his way out. Yay! Yeah. Um... And basically, after that, we just kind of like go to to show like this is how much that this is all, all the prep work that Batman's been doing in order to fight Doomsday Superman. Uh, and
1: can I note something yeah. real quick? A question query has best genus always had a, a buckle on his belt that just says BJ on it right over his face, <laughs> like right where his mouth would be. That Probably, that I feel like I've never noticed it before and I'm so immature I was like I had to have laughed at this before right it's a buck belt <laughs> buckle that just says BJ right over his mouth
0: Hang on. best genus images images I think the, Research the, the buckle might air. be new it's new right. I think the buckle might be new I think it yeah I think it was just a regular belt <laughs> carry on before all right.
2: <laughs> that's how you know Look, that we're, this, getting, this, we're getting to
0: the climax of the story. It's right. BJ time. <laughs> but we're just going to have to unload everything right now so that we can get past it. And uh, OK, so uh, a lot of different heroes and students are all working together to power the giant floating fortress thing. That's what Yairosu is doing. Hooray. Yai Rose is in the story. Yep. Hatsume gets a big shining moment too, because she designed the whole thing. Yay. She got she gets more moments. We thought that she had had her last important moment. No, she designed the giant floating fortress prison thing. Guess what Kaminari is doing? He's a battery.
1: Yep. Yay. All these characters are stars, Nick, just like uh Manama was two weeks ago or whatever.
0: That's right, Manama. Your moment has come. You're going to pull all the strings. You're going to decide who goes where, transport the heroes and villains place to place. Kaminari, you're the star. You're a giant double A. There you go. There are no small parts, only small players. So. Are
1: you saying uh, it wasn't cool when I was the tree in my sixth grade play of uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth? Which is weird. not say that. Because I don't think there are any cactuses out there.
2: Now you seem under enthused with the whole everyone working together to defeat the villain plan. Would you be enthusiastic if like they all set up this elaborate plan to defeat the villain and then best genius just killed him, just like with a lucky hit? <laughs> and it was like, oh shit, I guess we went through all that trouble for nothing. We win. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> i was like would that be a good shocking swerve. If that's how yeah, it I'd be it?
0: more I'd be more in favor of it, if it were just all for one because we've grown very tired of all for one in the past few months. Shigaraki's a much better character so
2: I just think it'd be very um, funny to build up this huge cast of characters with their own unique abilities and that can, you know, synchronize in interesting ways. And then just be like, oh, no, I just shot him with a gun. He's
0: dead. <laughs> Check out my quirk, everyone.
3: <laughs>
0: Being American. Uh, um, so Shigaraki tries to instead blast him with his way out with a shockwave because he's got I a started billion quirks blasting. now.
3: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Essentially,
0: <laughs> but guess what monoma's here too because and there he's copying aizawa's quirk while Manuel is there putting water in his eye so he never has to blink and aizawa specifically says as long as we maintain continuous contact then he doesn't actually have a time limit on his mimking quirk so he can just constantly do this and constantly lock down Shigaraki's quirks or one of the quirks Cause then Shigaraki uses a different quirk and grows a bunch of hands out of his hand and unleashes an attack. Uh, and, and as Mirako is t- flying around and she's like, "Hey, dynamite!" Remember that is Bakugo's dumb but amazing name. Got any intel on what that is? And Bakugo's like, "I don't know." Uh, and then a bunch of hands explode outward and surround Mirko. Oh no! Is she gonna die? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's kind of hard to tell at this point so i
1: mean she definitely loses what looks like an arm well, i guess that's the arm that she already she lost. lost that arm
2: already it's okay. fine
1: <laughs> that's
2: how it works I mean, <laughs> it doesn't bother you the second time uh awesome i, like, yeah. I do I, I do like the effect of all the hands though i, I know i said this already but i I'm extreme elden ring vibes like
1: half the bosses in that game have a hundred hands okay so i want you to grade all these chapters on an elden ring scale Mm-hmm. Um, what Elden Ring uh, score would you give this chapter?
2: I mean, with the hands, I got I got to give it a high Elden Ring score. It's like a nine out of ten. This Damn. is Ga- Godric Godrick the Grafted level of hands. Right, there you go. I'm gonna assign each one a boss as well. I've 100% Elden Ring by the way, oh. 75 hours. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, Jesus. at least at least
0: this grading, at least this grading scale will be more consistent than uh, when we were deciding the money in the bank uh, thing. So.
2: Oh, that was scientific
1: yeah
2: <laughs> there was an x like factor
1: was, yeah <laughs> you can't argue with the x factor uh, all right let's move on then i thought it was a good chapter by the way uh let's move on <laughs> to chapter 101 of undead Unluck regulation so uh we are introduced to a narrator who basically is like can you imagine a world without stars Anyway, there were some eventually, because UMA Galaxy was added, and that is the rule of the world, essentially, now. And that is to give us the context that Andy has just killed UMA Thirst, meaning the rule that there is thirst in the world has just been eliminated, and it no longer exists.
0: Um, I don't like this new narrator. We're not seeing her feet enough.
1: Yeah, that is true. Eden Zero is a much better narrator who uh, walks around with her feet out all the time.
0: You've been mongo-poisoned, you know that, right?
2: The brain damage is permanent.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's not a stroke. Okay.
3: Oh, no.
1: Uh, (laughs) So, we just continue. Andy runs into UMA Insect, and they're like, Oh whoa. <laughs> don't kill the insect, Andy. They're like, don't kill that. We need insects. And he's like, eh, fucking Andy just fucking cuts you a man All the bugs are gone <laughs> and <laughs> everything that bugs do is erased. Exactly. We're going to die <laughs> But in his defense, he's like, we're gonna die anyway, so I'm just gonna kill these rules along the way, basically. Uh he murders that and they're like, wait, why did all the terrain behind us change? It's like, oh, because I killed every insect that's ever existed in the world. Um, king shit exactly <laughs> it is worth noting that Lucy seems to be able to recognize that things have changed which seems to suggest she's a negator as well she's the, uh, because I the mean, yeah. negators are the she was ones. either going to
0: die or she was a negator oh, like, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, so Andy just says basically like yeah it doesn't really matter right now we gotta kill these UMAs anyway so what's the point in wasting time and effort protecting a bunch of rules when the world's gonna go belly up anyway and it's like yeah I guess so <laughs> fucking go for
0: it so then, oh no, I accidentally killed the UMA rule. Life, <laughs> well, <laughs> come on, he doesn't do anything
1: as serious as that. He just runs into gravity, slice, and magma next. And they're like, We're gonna hold you down. Why is there a slice? <laughs> uh, look, Nick, we're about to find out. How's he fun. going to fight if he kills Slice, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he doesn't kill Slice. Let me finish the chapter. So Andy's like. Uh, you're going to tie me down? Like, What's going to happen? And they're like, what, you dare to face all three of us? What can you and your load human body do? And Andy says, ha, your rules being so bound by logic never fails to blow my mind. There ain't no rules saying I've only got one body. Then he rips himself apart, sends his skeleton at one of them, his flayed skin at the other,
3: (laughs) and the last one he
1: shoots all of his coagulated blood
3: at.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I, I know you don't do panel of the week but the do do Mr.
1: Skeletal <laughs> is absolutely
3: <laughs>
1: See, my favorite is the flayed skin who just has to like float up like uh. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Incredible. This is such a good story. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of biased because if you listen to my show, you know the idea of, like, uh, people with specific word powers and f- forces that represent, like, cosmic laws is our whole thing. Uh, but it takes, like, a whole season to, to fight one of them. He kills, like, three in one shot. It's amazing. It's like, what if you did my shit, but you were just not afraid at all? And honestly, <laughs> it's based. It's incredible.
1: Uh, so, yeah, uh, as uh, Austin alluded to, Andy kills all three roles including slice which is the way andy kills all of his antagonists <laughs> so i don't know what we do from here uh it is worth noting that he just smashes magma i think uh but we we cut over to Juez, who is like being told like hey like crazy changes are happening really and she's just kind of like yeah i guess he's really fucking shit up out there so she's like, all right, go out there and find which UMAs are dead based on new changes and we'll locate UMAs capable of covering their loss to kind of mitigate the damages. But then, boom, we get an inverse color palette and uh, Juez is on the moon. <laughs> and Luna is there saying, uh, or Juez is first like, this is a first, you contacting me. And I believe the character was called Luma. Luna. Just says, regulations are going to be enacted. UMAs and negators exist solely to create rules for one another. Each of them added a clear intention in order to create an ideal world. The rules are God's will embodied, and a Gator, eliminating the rules is unprecedented. God will never, never allow that to stand. Undead has incurred God's
0: wrath. Oh, and... no. I was going gonna... to feel clean. Yeah. Uh, That's so... God's wrath, right? Right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Oh, they can't be rejected. Yeah, you got it. See, Austin, he's trying to—he's trying, to, trying to like mediate between us. He's trying to find common ground. Um, I do like that Luna's just like, "You gotta stop him now." Or Austin is like, "He's not gonna stop <laughs> you, fucking! <laughs> you killed Fuku. You killed his love interest. He's gonna fucking murder everybody now." Look, there's no, there's no fur hundred and first loop anymore. In this loop, the hundredth undead is gonna become your greatest threat and wage an assault against you all. And Luda just says, "Very well." then I will now exercise God's authority and enact regulations to adjust the world. And we just see a beam of light hit the earth. And Andy says, ha, looks like we got a special guest.
0: Also, luna doesn't actually seem all that perturbed by all this because they are constantly like g- nursing a teacup. Yeah, so. oh, come
2: on, gotta
1: drink a little bit at a
2: time. So on the Elden Ring scale, this is an 11 out of 10, <laughs> a, a star scourge Radon specifically as he holds back That's the crazy. stars and uh, the streak of light at the end. It's just one to one. It's perfect synchronicity. Uh, so this is <laughs> an easy score to give.
1: I was excited. This chapter came out this week because I was like, this is a fucking metal ass chapter to show Austin.
0: <laughs> this is ballistic. <laughs> I I feel like if this were like the first ever chapter of Undead Unluck that I read, I'd be like, "What is happening?" I think I need to read more.
1: I, I, I'm gonna say this now: the moment of Andy ripping himself into thirds to kill all three UMA's at once is the fucking most awesome moment. Like this has to be at the end of the year for whatever award we can give it—coolest manga, like coolest panel, whatever it needs to be. This moment fucking ruled.
2: Honestly, I'm I'm a little jealous that I haven't been so bold in my storytelling. I imagine when, like, death showed up on my show, I should just let you kick the shit out of it, Chris. (laughs) Just rip yourself (laughs) in half and beat its ass instead of spending 30 episodes talking about philosophy.
1: I'll come back on Dice (sighs) Funk at some point, and I'll just start killing. I'll just start fucking things up that you introduce.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're in undead on luck mode now, bitches. (laughs)
0: Undead Unluck as a and d campaign would essentially mean the story gets scrapped and the DM has to come up with a new campaign like every two sessions, essentially. So
2: I'm going to kill UMA and dice. When, then
3: what are you going <laughs> to oh, do? Oh, <shit.
0: laughs> <laughs> OK. Yeah. Bonkers chapter. Kaiju number 8, chapter 57. Last time, Hoshina decided to make a deal with Kaiju number 10 to have it be weaponized in order for Kaiju number 10 to tell them all about Kaiju number 9. We see some random fuckers just talking about a meeting that's going to happen. Anyway, moving on. Hey, more people are talking about stuff. While uh, Kafka and Kikoro are training with the division, with the first division, uh, Kafka thinks to himself that he hasn't gotten a chance to apologize for hiding his secret from Vice-Captain Hoshina when they learn that uh, he's headed there for a conference. Uh Narumi is off somewhere as well and the uh vice captain uh says oh that sucks cuz the first and third divisions both claim Tokyo as their main turf inviting constant comparisons between the two of them this leads to a sizable amount of territorial bickering and headbutting essentially they get along like cats and dogs and we see the Narumi and a bunch of first division goos have gone to meet up with Hoshina and uh, his third division and uh, Narumi is really really pissed off and has a significant candy cigar i guess i don't i don't know exactly what that is but it's striped uh and he's like just i think it's a
1: it's not a blunt but it kind of almost looks like a blunt (laughs) you know wait is this story getting cool wait a minute this is the dude who just does nothing but play video games all day so i think it is a blunt like i think he's just like nah i think it's supposed to be like a, 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 a cigar
0: if he's if it is a blunt, he clearly hasn't been actually smoking it because he's very not calm right now. Yeah, he's not so uh he's really, really pissed off at Hoshina, and Hoshina kind of makes all of these very calm, smiley faced, backhanded remarks towards him. Uh then they apparently have a rivalry that goes back to the academy, which Narumi is really, really, really pissed off about because he's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm so much better than you, and Hoshina's like, Well, I beat you in the miniaturized you know, the miniature Kaiju combat category. He's like, oh, fuck you. How dare you? Uh, And then he's like, well, I beat you in every other respect. I I have every other title. And Hoshi is like, I mean, you didn't beat Captain Ashiro in the long distance shooting category. And he's really upset about that. And everyone's like, ah, and they're going to fight because they're basically like the army and navy. And then Narumi's vice captain shows up and he smacks Narumi over the head with a fan and uh then he's a lot more professional with hoshina and they're like all right time for a conference and hey look at all the captains it's just like that other series with captains no not that one the other one no no the other one that one that one yes that, oh, that one. one that's the one that i was talking to about yeah uh so we just get you know so, some characters that we're familiar with some that we're some that are new uh, just a little flash of hey it's the captain of the second division it's the captain of the fourth division and so on and they
1: i'm very are here to that talk about the matter we're introduced to these new captains and not one of them is something fucking crazy like one of them's not just like a bunch of slime and like a top cat like a top hat and a trench coat or something like that or like a minotaur <laughs> or like a cat person like they're all like both of them are just normal ass fucking people one has lightning bolt yeah. eyebrows but come on they should literally there's no... of lightning instead
0: there's no Mayuri, basically, yeah. among them. Or even if it just, like, was Mayuri. There's like, fuck it, no. Mayuri <laughs> from Bleach is here. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> you saying he couldn't do it?
0: I mean, he could, exactly. I guess. I don't know. Uh, so they exchange some banter for a bit before Hoshina dives into the topic of number nine, and he says, yeah, so th- this is something that the First Division can't handle on its own. Uh, and because number 10 has told us that it was created by number 9. Kaiju number 9 is very likely to be the first Kaiju in, in history capable of intentionally creating extremely powerful new breeds of Kaiju. And it also went on to say, I'm his prototype. Basically, number 10 is still very battle-hungry and is like, I want to fight the finished products that were created after me. So, yeah, makes sense why he wants to work together with Hoshina in this case. Uh, and uh, they're like, yeah, and it, it, it was super powerful, it's got, it's got such a super high power level, and we think that, oh yeah, like uh, our, our forces said to be able to handle about five identified class threats at one time, but if we add an identified class threat over 4 to 2, 9.5 to the mix, that number becomes much smaller, and what if number 9 is creating more superpower kaiju than we could ever handle? So unless we cooperate across division boundaries, the nation is doomed. And that and the, to close things out, we cut to where kaiju number nine is, mostly in the form of Isao's body. And uh, they're surrounded by cocoons with mm-hmm. kaiju growing inside them.
1: All right, Austin, give us the Elden Realm Elden Ring score.
2: Uh, it's like a four out of ten. This is uh. an Erdtree avatar, where it's not that it's bad, but it's like a reskin of the demon from Dark Souls. Uh. You're like, I I don't mind people reusing assets, you know, but it's notable.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've 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 read Attack on Titan, so. Ooh. uh is there any uh, notable uh, points given to the end panel of a uh, pulsating gore person surrounded by a bunch of like monster embryos?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely person is a great sequence of words.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the that's very Elden Ring as well. <laughs> and it's it is good. It's good. It just doesn't it
1: doesn't have that special spark. I didn't feel it, you know, okay. I was like, I can appreciate it. But uh, as to the actual context, I thought it was a fine chapter, but it's not as exciting as the stuff that was just going on between Hoshino and Kaiju number 10. Uh, and I don't particularly care about any of these new characters that got introduced, because to be honest, I don't care about most of the ones that we already knew from that panel. I was like, I don't like Ashino, you know? I don't like Nerumi, I don't care about whatever the vice-captain of the first division was, who was apparently an important enough character to get his own introduction there. So uh, it's sort of just like, you yeah, know, it's fine.
0: Yeah, it was serviceable. That's yeah. about all I have to say about Did it. Did everything I it needed it's... to
1: cover. Let's go on and talk about Spy Family, Nick. Chapter Mm -hmm. 61, Mission 61. No chapter title, because that's how Spy Family works.
0: All right. So I want to take a little bit of time to talk about this, because it's actually a really good chapter.
2: Explain (laughs) to me, Japanese school culture, Nick, because I am so
0: gaijin. I don't, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with Japanese school culture. This right is now. a very
1: specific school. That's, that's, that's why they talk okay, about. Thunder. I wasn't sure
0: if I was missing something. They talk about no, Thunderbolts is, This is an a made up stars. country too. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So th- as part of the story, to give you a bit of context, Austin, Anya is attending this very prestigious school because her, uh, her adopted father, Lloyd, is a spy, which she knows because she's a psychic in green minds. And part of <laughs> Lloyd's plan is for her to get into the inner circle at this school by becoming one of the uh, most prestigious students there, which she could accomplish by earning stellar stars. However, she'll get expelled if she gets too many tontritus bolts. The backup plan since Anya is not a good student, she's just, you know, a regular ass kid amongst a bunch of, you know, prep school kids who have been prepared for this since birth uh, is for her to potentially become friends with Damien, who is the reason that Lloyd is trying to get inside this inner circles because he's trying to get close to Damien's father because they have he may have some connection to uh, something that he's trying to investigate. So that is the motivations for Anya all throughout this chapter. So we start off with uh, a mysterious figure walking through the school grounds and they spot someone who is smoking and they gesture to the person behind them who has a case. and And he says, yes, Madam Schlag. And we just see a zooming in thing happening towards the person who was smoking. And then there's a sack. And then the figure walks on while the person is passed out, having fallen to the ground. Dun, dun, dun. So it's it's a spy family. It's kind of framed in the way that you think like a really dangerous person has just killed someone.
1: I did not read the chapter particularly well the first time and I thought that person was just murdered and then I was like, oh, the rest of the chapter is a pretty normal school chapter. I bet that dude's not dead and I had to go back and be like, oh no, he just got a, he just got a demission or whatever. Uh,
0: Yes, he got, he got himself a demerit. So
1: thank you for coming up with a word I clearly couldn't and just said a word that has nothing to do with anything.
2: <laughs> I got you. I understood. You. I, got I got brine
1: you. in two on Wordle the other day. I just need everybody to know it's the crowning achievement yeah, I got potentially yeah. of my life.
0: Uh, so <laughs> we...
2: I wouldn't go around telling people that. That doesn't no, paint you, pay you in the best light. It
1: was brine, which is a hard word in and of itself, and I got it in two. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we uh then get cut to anya's class and it's henderson right Hen- i Hen- always forget his name
1: hendrickson or now that's seven deadly, or yeah seven deadly sense i forget what it is something like that
0: so he's basically telling everyone like oh you're going to get in trouble and you might even if you don't get a it is henderson nice so uh if you have minor infractions, it could all add up to a tonitrous bolt, a demerit in the system. Are we clear? And he's like looking directly at Anya, who's like, why is he looking at me? Uh, and, uh, then we see, you know, just like a bit of a reestablishment of Anya's kind of rivalry with Damien where he keeps on mocking her and stuff saying like, Hey, I bet you're going to be the first student in our class who gets expelled for getting eight bolts. And Anya starts to be like, I'm going to hit him. But instead, Becky's like, I'm going to hit you with master Yuar's knockout punch because she's been training with are to be a fight, a strong fighter. So yes. Um, there's some stuff between that goes on between I and Becky and Damien and his friends, but the longer things get, uh, go, keep going, they're like, hey, if if you if any of us ever gets a tinnitus bolt, then all three of us are going to run through the school in our underpants. And Damien's like, what? What? Shut up. What why are you are we, doing? Why are, why, why are we promising this?
3: <laughs> what <advantage laughs> Guys, we said to
0: gain nothing here. <laughs> Uh, But then a student from another class runs in. They look like they're 30. Like, (laughs) what what is with this kid's face? (laughs) But uh, he warns them all that something terrible is happening. Oh my gosh, Madam Schlag is on the way. And we cut to Madam Schlag. And it turns out she's just a really strict older teacher who is really, really enthusiastic about giving out to nitrous bolts. And she pins them to kids' foreheads, which seems like it should not be allowed. That doesn't seem like something you can get away with. But then again, private schools, corporate punishment, uh, I guess they get away with more. So, um, She runs into Henderson... Uh, who they... She clearly, had history with. She says, "Like, oh, you've been too soft in everyone." Then we cut back to the students who ran away from her, saying, "Oh yes, Mistress Donna Schlag of the disciplinary committee. They say the students of Eden Academy live in constant fear for severity. She rains tonitrus bolts down on any student for any infraction, no matter how minor. She has single-handedly expelled over a hundred students. And wherever she steps, not so much as a blade of grass will ever grow there again." Nice.
1: It's pretty metal. See, uh, I
2: although uh, I didn't have actually, the full context, I assumed this is based on something in Japanese schools where like they have a demerit system and some people go mad with power
0: and just start expelling students because they're little freaks.
3: Uh
0: It's I mean, more like just a, like a school life kind of setup.
1: I think it's maybe like anything. maybe a private school. I don't know what private schools in Japan are particularly like, but I assume it's probably closer to that.
2: Because we don't I've never experienced anything like this. I, I, I have heard of demerits, but I it's, I've, that's not a thing. In any school I've ever gone to.
1: I mean, in my school, they just it's just
2: like that in that the seventh tower Jesus enough.
0: It's just like in the seventh tower where Shadow Master Sushin would uh, <laughs> just to fuck with Tal would give him demerits, which uh, were bracelets that you had to wear on your wrist. And it would show shame because the bracelets would clang around in your arm the more that you had. Haven't you guys ever read the seventh tower?
2: No, but you know what? that does sound like you risk running the the students turning that into like a status symbol, where it's really cool to have a lot of bracelets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, well, all the all of the uh, people who live in the tower are are giant lamos, basically. So oh. not, <laughs> no one, no one, there were no cool uh, chosen, basically. Um, Bummer. Uh, sorry. I've read those books like 50 times. I really liked them. Sorry. So
1: is there, can you help meet me in the middle? Is there an allegory to like Muppet babies you could compare it to that I might know?
0: <laughs> okay. Imagine if the nanny in Muppet babies was just.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's Gonzo doing? Cause he's the only character I care Gonzo about. He's the only character base. that matters.
0: Oh, this Gonzo's is a Garth is series. Base, Presumably, He's too extreme. Damn. Anyway, apparently this woman not only like is very enthusiastic of punishing misdeeds, she like actively seeks it out and she's like, I'm going to just punish these kids because, you know, her life is
3: very fulfilling, I guess.
0: Uh, So she lions Anya's class up and demands that they get ready for a bag inspection. So the first kid she pulls in is like, what's this? Oh, it's a snack for my dorm. Did you think you were allowed to bring the sun pair onto on campus? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. And so she pins a freaking tetritus bolt to his head. Yay. Um, and uh, yeah, so she just getting the punishments get even more get more and more ridiculous until it reaches a point where she looks through a kid's bag and it's just normal school stuff, and then she's like, Where's your handkerchief? I I don't have one. Tonitrus. And they're like, Why? Because there was once a student here at Eden Academy, an otter student who was once a boy from Imperial Scholar, but then he forgot to bring his handkerchief to school one day. So he wiped his hands on his pants and people mocked him for messing up his pants because it looked like he peed himself. And then he became a delinquent. Are they setting up pee pants to come back as like a villain? <laughs> God, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be just like Spy Family to do. Just like bring back this this dark pee pants troublemaker as a, as like a new like criminal or something. So everyone in Anya's class is looking through the pockets to make sure that they have a handkerchief and everyone, but Damian doesn't have one, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna get a bolt!" And then because I get the bolt, the stupid agreement that my that my friends made means we're gonna have to run through the school naked. We'll be ruined forever. Uh, so he tries to pawn a handkerchief off of his friend, but, uh, he decides that that would not look good too, because people would see him like breaking the rules that way. So he's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Uh, and then he thinks I can never face my father again if I get in this kind of trouble. And so Anya's like, wait a minute, that that means that plan B is in danger. I've got to do something. So she rifles through her pockets. And then she gets Damien's attention and he's like, Hey Siam boy, you can borrow my hanky chief. And he's like, w- w- what about you? And i was like, It's okay. I always bring two hanky chiefs. Good for her. Shout out always to the localizer prepared.
2: for that. <laughs> for her hanky chiefs.
0: Hanky Chiefs, yeah. So she gets gets this, you know, imagine thought in her head, is like, oh yeah, and Damien's gonna be so grateful, and then we're gonna get to come stop by, and he, she imagines this bit where his father just says, "I'm so happy that you've saved my scion that I'll stop the war," and the world was saved. Anya's imagination yes. spots are the best. Uh, there, <laughs> Damien goes up for inspection, and the, the woman realizes, "Why does your handkerchief?" Monogrammed with an A, and he's like, It's the A's and Damien. <laughs> good like it, kid. Just like,
1: Sounds good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so it goes, it's Anya's turn for an inspection, and she's like, All right, I've got my hanky chief right here. She doesn't have one in her bag. She thought she had two, and then it turns out she doesn't have them. So she gets a nitrous bolt, and there is so much panel space dedicated to this moment of her just receiving the nitrous bolt. It's great. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't have a second bolt. But Damien is totally struck by this because he just he's just like, wait, is she really just that stupid? <laughs> she's
3: not
0: stupid. She's just... Average. Shut up, Damien. (laughs) So um Damien starts to offer an explanation because, like, no, no, this isn't right. You know, she saved my butt and then she sacrificed herself, so I can't she he starts to protest. But Anya reads Madame Schler's mind thinking, Did these brats try and pull a trick on me? They'll get two bolts each. So Anya grabs him by his uh what do you call that? His coat. I can't remember the name of the brim of it anyway uh and she shakes her head to stop him and so damien's really upset because like I don't like being in debt to you but i'll pay you back yeah and Anya's like you're gonna pay me back with cake no
3: shut up i hate you
0: uh but yeah that's basically it like Anya, Anya's like she did a good thing she got cl- she she got damien in her debt got a bit closer to him uh lloyd is really happy about this when she gets back home and then he's like wait a minute is that Yeah, I got it to Nitrous Bolt. And he faints. So they kind of made progress, maybe. But also Anya got it to Nitrous Bolt. And that's bad because if she gets too many, then she'll be expelled. And the world is doomed.
2: Yeah. Uh, 10 out of 10. Obviously, uh, Lich Dragon Fortisax, the (laughs) Elden Ring boss, who hands out lightning uh, with just incredible enthusiasm. Can't get enough handing out lightning. Uh, Fits perfectly funny as hell great chapter
1: excellent uh i would like to add uh, a little tidbit by our our uh our german friend Brawla, who notes that uh donna schlag is a pun on donner schlag which uh, is uh, i guess german for thunderstrike oh my god the layers yeah All right, Nick, let's talk about World Trigger, chapter 220. I am so excited to talk about this. Actually, Nick, I don't want you to say anything. Austin, you read this chapter. What happened? Uh, This is so funny because I think like two years ago or something,
2: I was like, "Hey, do you have any manga recommendations?" I haven't read a manga in a while, and you're like, "You know what? You would love Austin World Trigger." And uh, with two years of hindsight, I I feel like you were owning me.
3: (laughs) I feel like
2: (laughs) you were trying to hurt my feelings.
1: No, you're like, you know what?
2: This. Hey, hey! All this stuff only happened in the last year. I'll have you know. just people talking about test results just people saying uh look at these results look at these numbers look at these charts what, how do they make you feel uh honestly it's kind of avant-garde <laughs> it's like waiting for Godot uh, <laughs> it, it is an experiment in uh distancing and alienation <laughs> it's Brechtian I would say it has a, a connection to the Irish theater tradition <laughs>
1: it's great because this chapter really encompasses where world trigger has been for a while where uh, we only get one chapter and it's like the length of basically like a a little bit longer than a standard chapter. Uh, And uh, nothing of consequence really happens. A bunch of characters talk about their test scores and our essays and how their essays were graded before they prepare. They talk about how they're going to prepare for their next essay. And I fucking loved it. Like, I've been in such a weird scope with this series where I was like, give it time, give it time. Then I reached a point like they talked about their stupid battle series, Fire Emblem game and the mechanics of it. I was like, I hate this. This sucks. And then this chapter came along and it was just unrepentantly 20 characters talking about each other and their test results. I was like, fuck it. This series is great. I love it. I want this series to never change. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well you know what happened we've had enough time since the battle sim game that we could be like no this is great again because we <laughs> just need a little distance from it uh this this I thought this chapter was fine uh I really liked that everyone was just like god you such a freaking child but he's great <laughs> I
1: I was reminded recently that like it was a plot point early on that Yuma was murdered in another world by like a super alien monster and <laughs> It is incomprehensible that this series would have that same plot point in it at this point. (laughs)
2: Oh my god, I don't even know what Elden Ring boss, like the fucking uh, <laughs> intro boss in the combat tutorial who's just a regular enemy.
3: <laughs> it feels You're like
2: it's boss? the
0: coding of Elden Ring. Like if you if you peel stuff back, you just get to see the numbers and that's it.
1: This series is the windmills that everyone makes a bunch of boss jokes about as a Don Quixote reference.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best I could do. It's... Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's really it's character creation. That's what it is. It's oh. looking at your stats and equipping shit and be like, oh, what build am I going to use? Like, I don't think I'm getting the DPS. I should.
1: Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I love this series. I love everything about it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Eden Zero Chapter 182 Warrior Maid 95. And hey, the cover page has Couch Poe on it. Uh She's eating. Because that's the only context she can exist in, unfortunately. Uh, We got over to the planet Leonard, which is what I'm continuing to call it regardless. It only gets funnier. Yeah, as Ziggy (laughs) has a conversation with God, Act who is like, Ah, yes, my children are standing in in Shiki's way. He's like, your children? You mean
0: like the dragons? (laughs) What else could she possibly mean? (laughs) She is the mother of dragons! (laughs) Ziggy! Do you not pay attention to what your friends do for a living?
1: <laughs> uh, so we get a flashback because Ziggy thinks about dragons and he thinks about when him and young Shiki were staring off at space and Shiki was like, Oh, that star is moving. And he's like, You know what that is? It's a dragon. And it was a very inspiring moment. And she's like, What are you doing? He's like, Oh, I was just reminiscing about my, my son, how I'm about to kill him. And she's like, Weird. But, like, why are you going to kill your kid? He's like, oh, because I taught him to love robots and humans, and thus he has become the greatest threat to my universe. I will destroy him. Uh, We have a big action battle scene, which means nothing, because space battles are incomprehensible in this series. Uh, Also, they, they do not explain dragons. They just say, yeah, they just say these dragons have thicker skins than the one that Dragonfall, which I had to stop. I was like, is Dragonfall a place that they went to in this series? Have we seen dragons before and I've forgotten? Is this series so incomprehensibly boring that nothing (laughs) sticks anymore?
2: Uh, I mean, to be fair, i talked a lot of shit about this series when I've been on this show, but like it's hard to do space battles, even like Gundam and stuff in manga form is pretty incomprehensible because there's no like up or down and it's hard to get like
1: impact.
2: I don't know. I I feel bad for anyone trying to do space combat.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's awful. I mean, there's there's very any kind of media has usually a lot of trouble depicting it. Video games historically have not been particularly great space battle games, uh, movies.
0: Uh, X-Wing.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess rogue you got me there rogue squadron does whip we have to yeah. admit um dragons blow up a bunch of Elsie sh- ships which should be very bad except uh i don't know a character i guess it's one of the ones who was on lc ship last time just adds in don't worry they're unmanned so
2: i extreme, guess extreme um okay. was that superman see, movie
0: Yeah, I can see (laughs) their parachutes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's okay for me to punch Doomsday through those buildings. They're all evacuated.
1: Yeah. Uh, Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel both had that. Uh, Firing uh, special anti-dragon ether cannons is shouted out, which is a hilarious statement. And these lasers just rip straight through dragons. And apparently that's a thing. You could just, like, anti-dragon destroy them. You could just do that. And Hermit sees this and is like, interesting i shall reconstruct this on the fly so that our ships will have it and her you know holy's like you can't do that it took so many years for us to do this hermit's like done and she activates it and transfers whatever the data to
0: everyone all right so if if it was this simple for hermit to make anti-dragon weaponry why didn't when she just saw dragons make anti-dragon weaponry
1: (laughs) yeah to see the anti-dragon weaponry in action nick To get the data, you have to have the data. That's that's it, yeah. And I love because uh, Holy thinks to herself, what formidable children. They grow at such terrific speed.
0: Pretty sure Hermit's older than you. (laughs) I
1: was going to say, she says, referring to the robot who just looks like she's a child. Like, Hermit's older than everyone else on the ship except the other robots. (laughs) Uh, But there's like, oh, wow, there's too many. So... Hamor, it's time for you to get into this. And this is a chapter with no bath scene or anything like that. So I thought like, wow, they were really progressive. But we do get a shot to at least establish that the spacesuit Hamor is in has a gigantic heart-shaped
0: boob window cut out into it. Which well, I... I mean, she can't properly swing her space sword without that. Mm-hmm. So
1: I assume that's for space reasons. Like uh, she didn't, like gravity would get compressed or something like that and explode her heart. Well,
0: You see, the less clothes you wear means that the less vibrations there are to interfere with you as uh, you're tuning with the skates. I mean, the robot sword. Uh, Mm. So, yeah, it's very important not to wear any clothes if possible. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh, So they go to explain that Homura has a special ship, basically, that lets her just fight with the sword because yeah what else would she do so that is the the chapter name comes in the warrior made 95 to arms which actually has a kind of cool design to it even though for some reason it has little high heels on it but it looks a little bit like valkyrie which is a sweet little touch um so yeah amora just cuts a bunch of shit up and that's the end of the chapter they're like cool let's let's start operation planet eater
2: I mean, this this is an easy one. Elder Dragon Gray Roll is the Mother of Dragons. Uh, that's obviously George R. R. Martin having a little fun there with his Aww. contribution to Elden Ring. So if you have the Mother of Dragons in your manga as well, that's the one you get. So,
1: What is it on the scale, though, of Elden Ring?
2: Um, I mean, six, I think. Uh, okay. The Elder Dragon Gray Roll is not, like, a great fight. It's The dragon is so elderly it can't move. And Aww. so they'll... The way you beat it is by killing all his children, which is really sad. Although there is like
3: a (laughs) – there's a cheese strategy. Uh,
2: If you have a bleed weapon, which uh, does damage based on a percentage of health, you can cheese the main body, which is a great way to get uh, way more runes than you should have at that level. Um, Anyway
1: is that what you did does it have no a, no it, oh. Does does that like a, a special gimmick to it as well like uh the metal gear game where if you just wait long enough the old dude dies <laughs> not that i'm
2: aware Damn. no i so i played it uh, like on launch before a lot any like secrets have been found like i'm learning things now that other people have gotten into the game so i'm sure more stuff like that's going to come out i bet there's a boss who has a stupid like trick like that
0: there you go all right let's talk about a county banashi shall we Let's chapter do it. F- chapter, story four, who is that? Uh, last time we saw Akane give her first public performance, it went off really well. We now are introduced to the Rakugooka, who was late requiring her performance to begin with. Uh, and he shows up just as Akane is finishing her performance. The audience is very, very pleased and is applauding her and stuff. She meets up with uh, Giruka, who uh, gives her some water. And uh, and she's really satisfied, even though she's tired afterwards. And uh, then she says, like, hey, do you think the cafe owner will let me perform another story? He's like, no, calm down. Uh, but then at that moment, Akane is glomped basically by the Rakugoka that we met outside And uh, he's just really enthusiastic. He's like, oh, my God, that was a great performance. Are you are you? Wow. You're younger than me, right? That's shocking. I uh, I love all the stuff that you were able to do in that story. Uh, Where do you usually perform? And Akane uh, reacts to this person invading her personal space by headbutting him. Good for her. So. uh, So the guy apologizes and he's like, I'm sorry, I just just get really carried away whenever I meet this amazing new Rakugoka. And uh, he starts carrying on again about her performance and he's like, oh, but, you know, you had to take the stage in order to keep it warm for me. So I really owe you. So I know I'll let you watch my performance for free. Just consider it a lesson for just for you. And it kind of is like, who the fuck are you? What the hell is this arrogant bullshit that you're talking to me about? But Geerke assures her, no, no, you're actually going to want to see this because. This guy is amazing. He he became a second-rank Rakugoka after only his second year of apprenticeship at 19 years old. And he's really making a big splash right now. So you should see what he does. He might be obnoxious, but his Rakugo has an allure to it. And so the man takes the stage, and uh, he starts to tell his story. And as he gets into it, as he gets into the story, The Lesson Master, uh, it is a story in which a man who has no looks or money wants to get lucky with the ladies. So he goes for singing lessons from a teacher in a humorous tale. Uh, and, but the thing that really stands out about it is when the performer performs as the woman in the story, uh, he sounds very sweet and seductive. And when he sings in her voice, it's very angelic and amazing. Uh, but then he sings in the role of the guy who's gone to her for less. And there's this amazing expression that he makes, which has already been turned into an icon on our Discord server because it is a wonderful face. <laughs> uh, and it really sells just how, how terrible the singing is. It gets a big laugh out of the audience. And Yurika says to Akane, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how good he is. It's infuriating. And his talent lies in his gift of seduction. Which seems to be further pushing the the idea that the different rakugoka than the series that we meet are going to have their very specific specialties, which helps them to stand out from each other. And he explains that because the guy is so good at acting out seductive characters, when he throws in a totally different character, it makes them the the contrast makes them seem even sillier and gets a big reaction out of people. His sultry female roles and wide ranging talents are mere elements to accentuate the sexiness of his performance. And this is how is. Austin
1: has been described often on Dice. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally waiting. I was gonna say,
2: are you guys relating to this at all? Because I feel like that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs>
0: sometimes I sometimes I relate to this. <laughs>
2: uh, I actually really enjoy this series. I read it from the beginning because it's it's just started and it's like, oh wow, uh, I feel things. Hmm, yeah. I do I do
0: voices into a crowd for amusement. Hmm. I guess that does have a layer to it, yeah. Uh, what his is, name is Kaisei Arakawa, by the way. What is
1: podcasting, if not Rakugo, but without visuals? I was,
2: I mean, yeah, this sounds stupid to say out loud, but I literally did have that thought. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I embody characters yeah. and I try to get laughs and, you know, it's a whole thing. And it's like, you can't see my facial expressions, but like, this is kind of, uh, an older form of the art form I do. And, uh, I'm
0: relating and enjoying the series a lot. So yeah. Uh, Kaisei is also notable as the only man that Isho Arakawa has raised to the rank of Futatsume since that, uh, faded promotion test where Akane's father got kicked out. Uh, after Kaisei's, uh, performance ends, Akane looks through the survey box for people's feedback about him. And she's just like, oh man, all the feedback's about him. And I feel like I did pretty good, kind of damn good. Uh, Kaisei then sneaks up on her and is like, oh, yeah, well, hmm. uh, you know, were you curious about me? Is that why you're reading through all of my feedback and stuff? Uh, and then he asks her if if she is one of Shigama's apprentices and she says, no, not yet. So he instead invites her to join him and become one of Isho Arakawa's pupils. But she immediately turns it down. And he's like, hey, I mean, I was being serious, you know. Like, you have a lot of potential for that to be your first ever public performance. And you're young, you've got style. And in the world of Rakuko, everything is determined by seniority. And that's why my master wants to bring about a revolution by gathering fresh, young talent. This is the perfect environment for us where you can be appraised based on your work instead of how long you've been around. And you should join us, Akane. And Akane is like, Yeah, I'm going to go become Master Shigamo's pupil now.
3: Bye. Oh, wait,
0: and, what! Well, you just said it yourself. As long as you have the talent, he'll recognize it.
1: Nick, we should start recapping this series in Rakugo where we just do the different <laughs> voices and pretend we're them.
0: Then we do that for other series. We could do that. Yeah.
1: So. yeah. I just can't put Ace Attorney music behind it like we did back then because now there are more eyes on us.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Instead, 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 we could put it in like... Uh, Public domain Shamisen music or something.
1: Or I could pantomime Ace Attorney music. That
3: might (sighs) be distracting.
0: (laughs) Also, it's too perfect. You're going to get us banned anyway. An
2: audio nightmare. Uh, this is obviously 10 out of 10 Mimic tier.
0: Uh, the boss who's made
2: out of a fluid, which uh, le- allows them to take on the appearance of your character. They're a shapeshifter. They can take on any character. Like uh, Dark Link. Exactly yeah. like Dark
1: Link. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would give this Dark Link out of 10.
1: Ah, that's excellent. That's the best you can give it. Because the Water Temple, as we've established on the show previously, is the best temple in Ocarina Time. It absolutely time. is. Yeah, An insane yeah. opinion
2: by people <laughs> whose brains have been melted by manga.
0: It's got the best, best sub boss fight and it uh, has the best puzzles and it makes you use the best weapon in the game. Yeah. I mean, that. you're also, too far gone. Ruto, you, you've great.
2: Once you've seen a certain amount of Eden Zero, you can no longer determine what is good
0: and bad art. <laughs> Jokes on you! I've thought this since I was eight. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, Nick. Let's get into Diet Diet World Trigger with
0: Doron
1: Doron.
0: All right, so it's Chapter Thirteen, Tomatoda. Hey, it's a Actually, guy named Actually, hold on, Toma Nick. Toda. Before
1: you start doing this. Because we have so little interest in this series. Austin, can you describe what this chapter was about? <laughs> I was about to say, you you just can't, you have active contempt for this. <laughs> Is
0: it's it, not even active contempt. It's just, I'm over here now. <laughs> so.
2: I mean, I don't have the experience recapping like Nick does. I wouldn't uh, try to, to copy your style. But I'll say it's, there's a rivalry. A guy keeps getting punched. And then they talk about the mechanics of magic <laughs> in their world. And they're like, oh, uh, this technique should kill a human, but it's not. Oh, wow. You have a perfect uh, relationship with your little thing that gives you power. Now we can do
0: shonen fights. That's basically this, what happens. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. To, this, to the last point that you made, I'm just going to skip the chapter, to page 16 of this. So <laughs> so Dora's <laughs> old rival, whom he beat up all the time, explains to him how being a samurai works and why he can't be a samurai without his own demon power. And he leaves. And Kusanagi... Hops on Dora's head and solves their problems instantly. It is it is a,
1: a great moment of uh, I don't know, the series might be ending soon because they're just like, How do I solve this problem? And the other character's like, Oh wait, I can
0: just do it and that's it. He just uh, hops yeah. on Dora's head, and it's like, Oh now you've got power. Bzzz. Fuck this. This is lazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are a couple of bosses in Elden Ring, which are kind of this. Uh, so you can have your pick. I'll say Godskin Duo, which is uh, one of them. is no is no problem to fight, but they make you fight two of them at once. And it makes the fight infinitely harder in the Ornstein and Smo tradition. Uh, and that's kind of what this is. It's like, oh, you're one character? That's nothing. Oh, no, two characters together? What? Uh, so, Did I just, don't know. I, this just seems like a normal Shonen story to me. Maybe I, I haven't uh, been, uh, like, sanded down
3: <laughs> the no, way YouTube I, I, no,
2: you, that. No, well, that,
1: that is the thing. This seems like a normal Shonen story, and that's what it is. It is It is, it is the, you know, cafeteria food of Shonen stories. It is, it is technically edible. <laughs> it is safe for consumption. There is no nutrition in it. <laughs> okay. It will not help be grown anyway.
2: There are kids out there who are growing up with it who will remember it fondly.
1: Yeah, before it gets canceled in six pages or chapters, whatever.
2: Damn.
1: Uh, Just on the note of your thing, did you ever see the one tweet that was like, Going up to a heterosexual couple, being like, which one to use the orange sting or which one to use the smile? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's basically the way it is. Every fun every, one of these Souls games has a fight where it's just like, oh God, it's this couple. They're going to try to come up to me and tell me that they admired me from across the bar and try to take me home <laughs> with swords.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nick. A little bit lost now. <laughs> let's talk about Earth Child Chapter 3. <sighs> so
2: this
3: will be on the meat. list.
2: This wasn't in the list of uh, things you sent me because oh. I was like, should I read this? And then, it, but it wasn't in the list, I so I didn't did read this pu- one. I, I
1: thought I did put that in there. Oh no, ah. I didn't. I'm dumb. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, I'll read we it while I'm recapping. <laughs> we shall meet at the Lagrange point. Boom, <laughs> ZZ Top activate. Boom. I'm just gonna think about that song while I go through this.
3: Mm-hmm. All right, I feel
0: better please accompany us to Waste's Japan branch to identify Kareri Sawada. Those are the exact words that this chapter opens with identify Kareri Sawada. So plain dude, McDad has been, is taken a place and they're talking about secrets and, and stuff. And they're like, wait a minute, identify her. That's how they talk about corpses. And so he's like, I guess I have to come to terms with the fact that my wife's dead. And, the guy who got his throat crushed earlier because he tried to take the psychic baby away from a grieving father is like, not quite. Right now, she's in a rather unique situation. And they're in observatory. And they're like, target is incoming. That's kareri Sawada. And there's an asteroid flying through space that's roughly two human sizes. And kareri's body is sticking out of it. She's been frozen in carbonite like Han Solo because she merged with a fragment of the asteroid she destroyed. Identify Kareri Sawada for us. <laughs> Is that her?
1: We don't remember.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs> reading like, this now on, as you're can talking. We get, a, can we get a shot of the other side of the asteroid. I'll be able to identify her that way. So. Uh, so. He's like, yay, that's your mom, Amoru. Oh, no, space debris is going to hit the asteroid and blow it to bits because space debris is, you know, she went in the ship that got destroyed and the asteroid blew up. There's tons of debris that she's flying through and stuff. And so she's like, well, we've got to get her down from there. And uh, they're like, we would if we could, but it can't be done. We sent a rocket out there, but we can't send another rocket out there.
1: Yeah, bureaucracy says no. It'd be a waste of resources. Us, secret government organization, can't afford that. Someone higher than Uh, us is uh, like,
0: no siree. So... He, they said, I was like, well, she might not be dead though. And the director guy's like, yes, that's why I brought you here. And debris is heading towards Carreri's head now. They're like, oh no, she's going to die. Can't we do something? Oh no, Carreri. And then the debris arcs around her head just safely. And it's like, wait a minute, that wasn't a normal trajectory. And they're like, here's what HQ had to say. We won't allocate funds to retrieve an individual who is likely deceased. But think about it another way. If she were alive and we're still training Mamoru, what is there for them to protest? By the authority vested in me, Yuma Mackenzie Katagiri. That's a name and a half. As Japan's branch director, we have determined that this phenomenon has preserved kareri Sawada's life. <laughs> Therefore, we will make her rescue our number one priority. <laughs> that's the most enjoyment I had in this chapter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so why'd you bring him here then because did his look presence there make the asteroid arc around her head what the fuck you could have determine that without him being there
1: i assume I, like i don't know it feels like this this super secret organization is like functioning with like weird fucking legality to it where they're like look you're her husband, so actually we need you there to identify the body as, like, next of kin or something like that, where it's you'd assume, last week this this organization was going to kidnap a child, so I would have assumed they would have just been like, yeah, she's alive, let's go get her. <laughs> like, I don't know why they need <laughs> the husband's permission to be like, yeah, that's her, okay, got it
0: so they make this whole big speech and they're like you what we have also decided that you your, your earth child needs you a man determined to be his father so will you work with us instead of the baby turning against us and been wanting to murder all humanity for taking his parents away from him join us in raising the greatest earth child the world's ever known and race is like yeah this seems like a good person to trust gosh shake hands and then gay sentient now can form completely co- cogent thoughts and goes, even now I remember that moment. I felt the warmth within me and I knew that this man who never left my side was my father. That's right. I understood the concept of parentage in this moment when I was like three months old uh and then we get a bit where race takes uh mortar outside in order to look at the asteroid which is actually his mom and then takes a selfie with quote-unquote the three of them and then he's like one day that we'll be able to take a picture together
1: got me a little emotional i don't know why i did think that was kind of a cute moment
0: i might have thought it's the same if i didn't feel such blazing hatred for everything that it has to do with this bugger. so well, i'm
1: also regularly taking estrogen mix, so that I might have played into
2: it. <laughs> do you, eat, you hate this i i, I don't know I don't, i'm not getting strong feelings off this series is this, is this really rubbing you that badly it, this
1: is
0: good i've gone so far past not caring that i care deeply about negatively about this
1: <laughs> I, I find this to just be a very strange series where i can't quite tell what we're going to be doing in it because at first i was like oh it's going to be about like a love between her and 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 him and then she dies and they've they've already gotten married and had a kid so i'm like oh i guess it's about this boring ass dude just trying to raise like a magic baby but then by the end of this chapter the baby's talking and kind of like seeming to indicate that he's the main
0: character oh father (laughs) (laughs) i need a
1: diaper change please (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I don't really know what the plot of this series is it's just it's very confounding and confusing to me
2: yeah I don't know I, it, it feels like the, it's being written week to week by someone who's like what What do I want to focus on there's, which is at least interesting
1: there's a large uh, growing conspiracy that the first chapter was essentially very similar to a one shot that this series was published as and then no one knew what to do afterwards it's like oh you figured it out in the moment I guess just keep going so, I mean,
0: the mistake they didn't t- was they having didn't tell the magica about the fact that they're going to have a serialized series until like three weeks before the chapter was set to debut. And they're like, yeah, make a series out of it. Yeah.
2: It seems like the mistake was having what seemed like the protagonists get into a relationship because the rules of manga is that you can't get together until the last chapter. Uh, so if you have anyone successfully enter a relationship, it just completely torpedoes your whole thing. You have to have unrequited love only. Yeah. This is obviously hate that trope. (laughs) This (laughs) is full, (laughs) full full-grown falling star beast. Uh, The boss who is like a a comet who crashes into a mountain you find later in Elden Ring. I haven't gotten a lot of time to digest this chapter. I literally just read it, so that's my (laughs) that's my first thought. Oh, because she's obviously she's a rock in space.
0: There you go. Obviously, Careri would have been perfectly fine if after they decide they're going to get married, they were like, okay. But we won't see each other until I'm a successful voice actress and you're a successful manga.
3: <laughs> <laughs> then we'll get married after
0: our anime debuts. Uh huh
2: i guess yeah i mean they just wanted to be relatable to the demographic who's never been in a relationship i guess but i'm old i always want to see people argue about doing the dishes or whatever (laughs) i just
1: the cat is not drinking out of the toilet i swear (laughs) i'm like oh it's me it's me (laughs) (laughs) even more, even more than the rakugo one you're still just like i'm in that manga me yeah, if she gets,
2: she ends up in a relationship and they, the she, she keeps leaving her clothes on the floor, it'll be my favorite manga of all time.
1: <laughs> all right. We love Joa. <laughs> uh, Chris,
0: I've yes. got a puzzle for you.
1: <laughs> Nick, I have a puzzle for you then, too.
0: Okay, why, why don't you go first?
1: Okay. Uh, professional pratfaller perfectly portrays pretentious partner. And Partner is in quotes. Professional okay. pratfaller.
0: Oh, Prattfaller
1: perfectly portrays Perfect. pretentious partner. Partners in quotes.
0: Partner. Yeah, that part is actually really throwing me. So you say professional pratfaller, and my first instinct is actually Ric Flair. Okay. Perfectly portrays
1: mm-hmm.
0: partner. Also, when you say perfectly, it makes me think of Mr. Perfect, who yeah. did do a lot of backflip bumps and stuff. Oh, perfectly perf- portrays professional partner. Professional Pratt Faller perfectly portrays a pretentious pratfaller. partner. Pretentious partner. Hmm. Oh, now I just have to think of all the pretentious characters. <laughs> Uh, I, I give up I I don't I, uh, don't, I would no. say
1: focus on the Pratt faller part. So what is what is a Pratt fall?
0: Uh, it's a it's a it's a you know, it's it's you you, you fall over comedically
1: like an in, so. uh, Like an intentional fall
0: Okay, like so like a slapstick was,
1: fall. someone who intentionally fell Okay, perfectly portraying a partner
0: a pretentious partner. Is this wrestling related? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. OK, because it's, it's making specific... me think of like comic acts.
1: This is this is specifically uh, this person's gimmick. Professional pratfaller mm-hmm. perfectly portrays pretentious, pretentious partner and partners in quotes. Oh, <sighs> right, we do have like six series to go through. So I'll just give you the Sandow. answer at this point. It's Damien Sandow. Oh as the stunt double yes. for the Miz.
0: Nice, 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 nice. Okay. All right. Here's mine for you.
1: Funakai. Now I'm gonna wait. No. Funakai. <laughs>
0: <Damn>. <laughs> okay.
1: I knew it was coming and it still got
2: me.
0: The, I, I'm blown away by the by the elegance of yours. This one was really forced, but I I, I wanted to do this act, so okay. forgive me. Pelvis pivoter parades, pristine performances pointlessly is it ziggler
1: yes okay because i was gonna say he used to come out as like different fuck i was like who fucking pelvic thrust all the time i was like it's either Shawn michaels or (laughs) ziggler
0: yeah i'm glad you got it from that uh i was specifically referring to how he would brag about having the best matches when he would always lose those matches
1: oh i thought the other part was referring to when he used to he had like a gimmick for a little bit where he'd come out to other people's entrances
0: no, I deliberately omitted that from my memory. That was stupid.
1: <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about actual PPPPPPPPP.
0: Yes. Because I, wa-
1: I want to hear what Austin rates this on his Elden Ring scale.
0: Chapter 23, <laughs> Hope in the Night Sky. Uh, Lucky is invoking uh, childhood memories for his audience in this com- in this contest performance. And he's gotten to the point where his father slapped him across the face while saying the Odegami have no need for mediocrity. And various people in the audience react to this slap as if they themselves have been struck. I think that the idea that you're supposed to get is that not everyone experiences it directly this way, but there are a few important people that we see reacting this way. Yes. Uh, and then, then we see uh, Lucky's conversation regarding all of this stuff. And um, the one expert guy whose name I refuse to memorize uh, is talking to him and is like, hey, you know, if you revealed that there are septuplets of the Otogami family instead of sextuplets then the me is going to look into it and won't Gakwan Otogami banish you when he finds out uh, and, but Lucky's saying like well I mean if I reveal a secret then dad will be in trouble and I hope that it'll help Furusu feel better about her mom and the guy's like well no Because when it comes to Furusu, the Yogamis haven't done anything wrong other than Mimin breaking the rules. Her mother wasn't banished. She lost because she was lacking in ability. The way her mother handled losing was weak. So instead of seeking vengeance, wouldn't you rather just do what you want? Wouldn't that be better? So, and there's this whole thing about, like, the death of the author, basically, in this speech about stuff and how you're supposed to, you know perform stuff in a certain way. Cause it's like, Hey look, and the original composer isn't here anymore. After the pianist shows respect to the composer, all they can do is play the music as if it's their own. So as lucky plays and continues taking people through stuff, it gets to the point where, you know, his family is separate. He's taken by his mother and the rest of his siblings go, to the theater, go with his father. And he thinks to himself, I don't think this will make Furusu so happy, but I want her to know that despite being abandoned, and losing the things I loved. And the things that we see that he loved, just hang out with his siblings, which is yeah. very sad. Um,
1: I love the visual imagery of seeing that shot of like his family and then it cuts to the sunset Titan and then the, the piano trees, which are like the two emblematic ways that we've seen as siblings up to this point when they play music.
0: And he reaches out for them and he says to himself, I want her to see that I can still play the piano and chase after them. And that makes me really happy. Even if you're sad, you can still find hope. Uh, but he finds that as he gets to this point in the performance, he's really struggling to actually make it visualize. And he can't express all of the, all of the experiences that he's had just through this playing. And he starts to falter as he plays and finishes. Um, but uh is very clearly struck by this. It apparently has also had a gr- deep effect on Mimin. And Lucky is ultimately pleased. And he's like, yeah, well, next time I'll do more. And this is a lot of fun. I love playing the piano. But I was like, yeah, this is nice. Just like he's not all the way there yet, but he's really enjoying getting better. And that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mimin turns and leaves and she thinks to herself, it was different from how I used to play. But he was doing it so happily, just like back then. And she looks so in the emotion that she's in that she appears to age like 10 years in this one frame. (laughs) So uh, a bunch of the judges are like, wow, that's did I just see like that there were like seven Otogami siblings? I'm going to look into that. And some of the journalists walk off. Dada sensei talks with Sonoda. That's their name. Uh, and uh, they're like, oh yeah, he tried to create a fantasy like that and stuff. And that was crazy. Uh, and he's written the sensei realizes if that's possible, that would be even beyond what I did to win against Gakuan Otogami, which se- sounds like a humble brag to himself.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that seems <laughs> weird to note that out loud. <laughs> or I guess to yourself rather.
0: Yeah. Lucky meets up with Furuso afterwards. And Furuso says, you weren't able to completely express what you wanted to, were you? And he, before he can answer her, she says, I thought you'd be able to do more. I love amazing performances. I actually love the Otagami's performances. I figured if I was competing against them, I shouldn't be amazed by their playing. but Listening to your performance after I lost, I thought it was amazing. But I know you can play even more amazingly. And I want to hear that. I can't compete here anymore. But would you mind if I helped out? Will you be my hope? Let's win against Mimin Otogami together. Well, chapter.
1: Yeah. it's good stuff. You know, Uh, I like the art in this series a lot. I like the motivations. I love the little moment of Lucky kind of seeing his progression. I love the the artistic angle of like portraying the siblings as their sort of signature musical piece through imagery. Austin, where is this rank on an Elden Ring scale? Um.
2: So the the soundtrack of Elden Ring is very choral. I don't know that there's a lot of piano in it. I have to go back and listen to it. Like Dark Souls One had a lot of piano in it. I feel like. Wow. Um This this composer also worked on Bloodborne. She's very good. Uh, so the musical angle is what occurs to me first. But also, I mean, Elden Ring is a story about family ultimately and sibling rivalry. It's got a lot of uh, kismet with PPPPPP.
1: <laughs> is it? I I haven't listened to the. Uh, okay. Oh God, I forget the, the YouTuber's name. If you just type in, like, fuck. Is
2: it Bati Video? Yeah,
1: that's it. I was like, it's the dude with the voice that, like, I want to die to. <laughs> I <laughs> like it really eases me into that next realm I actually don't watch
2: uh, his videos because I can read uh, uh, <laughs> which apparently a lot of people who play these games can't you could can just read what the people say in the game and they'll tell you the story uh, but yeah George R. R. Martin's main contribution to the plot is to make this family and all of them they all have very similar names There's like McKella and Millennia there's uh, Godric and Godfrey it's like I think it's supposed to be confusing but there's all wow. (laughs) yes it's basically dostoevsky the elder ring is it's i would say a uh, one-to-one exact retelling
1: ppp is as well
2: yeah it's all one story there's really only one story Uh, philosophers call it the dostoevsky (laughs) PPPP paradigm Um, <laughs> so I guess you you could pick any boss who's a member of the main family and say it represents the family drama in p. But I think the the main sibling uh, relationship of Millennia and Makella would probably be best. Makella isn't actually fought in the game, but Millennia is. She's also the hardest boss in the game uh, because even if you block her attacks, she heals on every strike. Uh, so that's kind of like... Playing the hardest piano piece is like perfectly timing that fight. Uh, so I, I'm gonna go with Millennia uh, Blade of Mikella as the boss that best represents PPPPPP.
1: Great, great analysis. Ten out of ten. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Nick. For the last time ever, yeah. It's time to get stone.
0: Unless there's like a, you know, a, a, a little side sequel, I won't read you know, it. epilogue I, chapter. I, I said this oh, was okay. the
1: final time and that's it.
0: Okay. And I, no more getting stoned. <laughs> I'm you like the
1: penguin here. in Oswald. No more, no less. I'm done now.
2: There's nothing stopping you from do, busting out the let's get stoned if you, someone shows up with a blunt again, like in that yes, earlier sure. series. <laughs> time to get stoned every time someone hits, uh, hits the J. Oh,
1: man, that'd be the best. Oh.
0: So we get the end of Star Fox 64, where everyone comes back. uh, That's the best.
1: Can we talk? Hold on. uh, Just a (laughs) tangent. Can we talk about how fucking much the Star Trek 64 ending ruled the fucking music score? I'm going to hear that like till the day I die. Ah, da, da. <laughs> oh it's so good and all of you just running in the distance as the great fox comes up over the horizon behind you in a shadow it's fucking perfect video games have never been better i guess except elden ring because i have to say <laughs> that or austin will leave the podcast i think they're and roughly equal you, you don't kill
0: the real andros his face shows up and, get, and it goes Doon, dun, dun, oh, oh. Uh, oh i
1: just thought that always happened because i never beat the game on hard mode <laughs>
2: Star Fox is legit way harder than Elden Ring.
1: Yeah, it
2: it's hard. not. It's not
0: really close. It's I don't. I don't
3: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, just never get into all, all range mode, okay? <laughs> all I right. think it's impossible because yes, possible because both Stage Sixes have an all range on
2: Anyway, so um, <laughs> can call him Game Facts, Nick.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> uh. senku and company get back from the space mission uh there are nice little details that i like like the fact that when they land in the ocean senku starts fishing because (laughs) why not and the Kohaku is asleep during the metal presentation ceremony where it's like yay we saved all of humanity he's just like "eh, bored so uh and then everyone gets back together with their friends senku high fives uh, taiju and Yuzuriha, and Kasaki. Yay. I uh, uh, he doesn't
1: I don't think he shows up again throughout the chapter other than like in a cameo and I was really glad cuz I was like if they kill Kasaki, I'm going to fucking lose my shit all over this manga and I'm going to really embarrass myself in front of Austin just sobbing and screaming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we just get our final uh, our, our big color two page spread by the way the first several chapters are no di- basically almost no dialogue and in color which is really really nice to see as a send-off oh. and uh two-page spread final chapter dr stone is the chapter title time skip to several years later basically to see how humanity is progressing we see that Gen has become a translator slash ambassador kind of person which makes sense given all of his different skills uh but then he goes to rejoin everyone in the kingdom of science and he just goes back from wearing a suit to wearing his old clothes. And he's like, I'm just really comfortable in this now, which is kind of sweet. Uh, and uh, he has come back and is being driven by Francois, which I believe is like Francois only appears in the chapter. Um, and again, uh, has come to attend Taiju and has wedding. Yay, they finally got together and tied the knot and stuff. Uh, and their parents are there. And it's really weird because they're clearly just like old Taiju and old Usury. <laughs> yes,
1: <Yeah>. it's very <laughs> unnerving. I'm like, because they both are going up to her, and I'm like, did her dad also look identical to Taiju? Basically, because <laughs> that's that's uh, a lot to unpack at that point.
0: Let's not let's not get into the electric complex nature of this. Okay, so uh, we just see you know little bits from the of different characters celebrating in different ways and stuff. It's nice. Uh, and then Kohaku kind of snidely turns to Rui and is like, hey, what about you and Chrome? Uh, and Rui's like, oh, yeah, um, about that. And apparently Chrome just like really casually is like, hey, after our project's all wrapped up, let's get married. <laughs> and she's like, okay, which is actually really sweet in its own way. <laughs> but Kohaku and Luna are horrified by this. Yeah. It's like, God They're both awful. Um, Sukasa says that, you know, this is great, the way that things have progressed, because, you know, Hyoga and Zeno and I once bloodied our hands to prevent the rebirth of the old world. But at this point, the idea of such a grim future is a distant memory. That's right. Now that this has happened, humanity will actually be peaceful. Please. So, uh, and uh, then we see... I don't know what happened here. So
1: (laughs) Senku is doing really well in this transition. I'm so proud of her.
0: Senku runs off to go and celebrate with his bestie and goes into the science lab where Senku still is. I assume that Senku attended the first day of the wedding because it's established that the wedding has lasted so long that it's two days so that more people could attend. It was a very nice measure by by Taiju and uh, Yuzuriha. So Taiju goes to bring Senku some cake. And approaches Senku quote unquote from behind and they turn around and um, it's a, a woman um, and it's just a woman that Taiju mistook for Senku, um, I guess, because Senku is elsewhere in the lab. And I don't think it's ever established who this person is, so...
1: She just looks exactly like Senku. Maybe it's actually... It might be. We never found out who Senku's uh, Senku's biological father is. Maybe he eventually had another kid, and this is her.
3: Maybe?
0: I don't know. (laughs) So... Taiju rushes into the place where Senku actually is with Cake, and is like, hey, look, I'm finally married to Yuzuriha! And Yuzuriha is like, you said the same thing yesterday. But I was like, oh, that man of mine. Uh, Senku is still really focused on his work, uh, and he's like, ah, well, I'm cheering you really hard here from, from here in the science lab. So hard that my vocal cords just snapped. Wait a minute, this sounds exactly like what I said to you in chapter one. Hey, it's a book-ending thing. Uh, Taiju brought Cake, and uh, Gen, of course, has been brought there, too, and he's looking around like, what's this ridiculous machine that you've been working on? Uh, And so they're like, yes. So the Y man says returning to the past to prevent incursion upon your earth will avert numerous deaths of my kind. And they're like, you're making a fucking time machine. Yeah. And, uh, Ukyo looks on this giant machine that they have made and tears come to his eyes as he says, 21st century logic told us it couldn't be done, but maybe, just maybe, our grand goal could be realized. Like by shooting the Petra beam into the past to petrify the victims before they met their fates. Maybe we could save them all 7 billion members of humanity. There's a shot of the original space station crew uh, looking forward towards Senku uh, in a vision and they get this whole thing of like, yeah, this is the goal we're working towards. It's the last science map of the series. We're going to make a fucking time machine. That's right. Um, I don't think that everyone's thought through the ramifications of preventing <laughs> the disaster. Um, <laughs> But everyone's like, yeah, this could potentially happen. Humanity, one painstaking step at a time. We can build a time machine over decades, centuries, even if it takes millennia. But then, but the, but the paradox, guys. So, Senku says, science pierces across time itself to discover and Earth new rules about our universe. So I say, get excited. And that's the note we end the chapter on. It's uh, pretty crazy. It is perfectly in line with the ethos of Dr. Stone and the mood of Dr. Stone. I, again, don't think everyone stopped through the proper ramifications <laughs> of, you know, killing all the Stone Age people that they've met but uh, (laughs) I mean just the paradox if you go back
2: and change things then you'll never make the time machine and then everyone disappears into a wormhole good job
1: but that's not science saving everybody, goddammit. it! So you
2: know, no, it's it's about the feeling. You start in the Stone Age, you go to the moon, you get everything, you know, the great arc, and then you're like, ah, oh, but what about the future? We got to leave off on this note that there's still more to explore. Like it makes emotional sense, and uh, endings are hard. I feel like the this, you know, it's about as good as you can expect, and kind of puts a a bow on this whole thing.
1: Yeah, I, I for Doctor Stone, which is a series that has never directly really addressed much to the logistics of what they're trying to do, other than to say, like, science kind of rules. uh, I thought this was a good (laughs) ending, because, like, I mean, like, Sukasa has his whole speech, just about, like, oh, you know, like, humanity is finally, like, moving towards a point where we're entering away from the grim future we had before, and it's like, yeah, because I guess we're just going to accept in this reality that, uh, fucking there's no conflicts anymore, because everyone's just universally accepted science rules, and we should follow it, and... There's no grudges anymore or issues. There's there's <laughs> nothing. It's a utopia, man. <laughs> it's
2: very politically convenient. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. It, it, I think it hits the exact right mood for a Doctor Stone ending. Like it's it, the, the the general feel is yeah that that is perfectly accurate. As like a fan of this series, obviously, I have my little things that I was kind of like hoping to get some closure on. Mm-hmm. But knew that we wouldn't get closure on them like we get closure on taiju and yuzuriha good yes. that was set up in chapter one we kind of needed that so like yes yes they did actually get together after putting it off chrome and Ruri. okay sure. whatever sure the foot so like i kind of had like three other couples or potential couples i was more invested St- in
1: and stanley what the fuck why is there not their gay wedding here god damn it <laughs>
0: Francois and Ryusui. Yeah. Uh, even even like Kohaku and Senku, there was like little hints to that here and well, there. I, I know I, that that would be perfectly, completely out of character for them to like focus on that in any way, shape or form. I, I'm but glad... still, as like Chrome and Ruri. All right, yeah. fine.
1: <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do anything with Senku because it, it does continue to add to the interpretation that Senku is ace, which is a very valid reasoning and, and reading of that character. Um, but it was like one of these things where it, like, fucking in the last moment we couldn't just have fucking like stanley and and zeno like with wedding rings on or something like that like come on like let's not fucking pussyfoot around this all right just give us what we want god damn it you cowards
0: i'm gonna zoom in on the frame of Stanley and yo shooting guns together to see if i can see a ring on his finger hang on okay (laughs) the (laughs) gun's too big damn it so
1: that's always been the issue uh, I mean,
0: I'll the last pass. interaction we had between the two of them was Stanley lovingly cupping Zeno's cheek. So
1: that is true. Uh, I will say, <laughs>
0: can't
1: in, in comparison to the previous uh, Inagaki series, I liked Ice Shield 21's like actual ending chapter better than this one mm-hmm. just because it was a little bit more like fun, kind of like here's to the future. But again, that was also just about high school football. This is a much more like, what if we could <laughs> stop every death ever?
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, in in a lot of art forms, the ending is like the most important part because it like resonates backwards through the whole work because like you just see how like the themes like a time uh, machine. (laughs) yeah like a time machine but it's like you know it's like if you're building a theme or an idea or a motif like how it ends is like the statement about what you tried to say the whole time and it's like you can't judge the whole work without it and manga so often you know goes on forever or gets cancelled abruptly that a few of them get to end in like a, a truly satisfying way and I feel like this is about as good an ending as a person could have gotten out of the story so it's actually pretty impressive uh, all told, I think.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Where
2: is it rank I've, on the other? <laughs> I've got qualms about it.
0: i got qualms about it, but they are minor.
2: On the Elden Ring scale. So I, I can't say the full name of the boss cause it might be a spoiler, but there's a character whose title is the all knowing. And uh, I mean, that's, that's dr stone right there and there's some some implications that i can't get into also that tie in thematically with uh the 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 hubris of the ending (laughs) because uh what what they're trying to do uh does not maybe shake out the best for everyone but who knows uh they've they solved all politics so
1: austin can i pay you money to have you record you talking about the different elden ring bosses and you can just replace (laughs) that youtuber for me basically Uh There are like 90 there's so I, many bosses uh, all the payment plan will be in effect we'll be fine nice. you know i'm good for it <laughs> yeah that's why they call
2: you sir deep pockets yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you're known on the
1: street mr Money's. yep uh anyway let's talk about mashal magic and muscles chapter 99 mash burned dead in the powerful duo yet again we have austin a chapter where mashal isn't funny <laughs>
2: So <laughs> I am cursing this series I, I, I keep hearing it's the funniest series you you laugh until you'll, you'll be sick, your sides will split and then every time I'm invited on it's just like a grim punch fest. yeah
1: uh so uh innocent zero shows up Uh uh-oh domino's like this is pretty scary innocent zero's like i've decided to come here myself which is amusing because the last time you were here was also when innocent zero showed up (laughs) (laughs) so for you this character is just always in this series i am his galactus (laughs) i am his herald (laughs) uh so domino is apologizing uh innocent zero's like you don't have to you tried your best rest easy now for I have no shortage of replacements for you. You are no longer useful to me, which is pretty fucking dark. Uh, mm-hmm. Mash goes up, tries to kick him in the face. He's like, that's not nice. He's like, you know, by now you shouldn't be able to stop me. Like, it's incomprehensible. No, standing against me will accomplish nothing. All you're doing is chipping away at yourself. And Mash goes, oh, there's a nice compliment. And he's like, I'm calling you an idiot. And "Aw." Darn. (laughs) (laughs) Why did he think it was a compliment? (laughs) I have no idea why he took it as a compliment, but he did uh innocent zero gives a big speech about how oh, fear is everything and it's 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 why we live the way we live and it's about killing and how he wishes to live more than anything free of decrepitude death will never claim him that is his true enemy i will give up everything for the sake of my dream and that means you mash burn dead as well as your friends and family i will take them away for my sake a life with no disguises what could be no more perfect and mash removes his weights Uh, which I guess is just a thing now. He's just going to remove them when things get real. And he goes and he fucking starts beating the shit out of Innocent Zero, just really wailing on him. And then all of a sudden, Innocent Zero's behind him. And Mash has his weights back on. And he's like, how'd that happen? Innocent Zero's like, you cannot defeat me. Another character says, someone's having fun. Innocent Zero says, you're late, Doom. And it's Doom, the oldest of the Mash siblings and uh oh my
0: it's, god it's renji
1: yeah uh doom apparently is going to handle the rest of this fight uh with his gigantic half destroyed buster sword and uh we don't know this character's full name but the fact that he's doom does get me back on track i'm like yeah okay mash getting back with those fucking awesome ass character names <laughs> uh, uh-huh. this guy's name is like doom laser sword <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, from the the Hampton laser sword family. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: um, do you think that's
2: uh, this too direct a parallel to that famous Naruto scene where he drops the weights? Like, I get that it's like an homage, but it's, I I feel like it's exactly it's the same. It's not just
0: well. I mean, we made the Lee reference last time, but honestly, like that goes. Back to Dragon Ball and possibly older. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, I'm not as as well versed in all this. But to me, I was like, and there's a line between homage and just like doing the thing. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is definitely just like a shonen thing. I think the Rockley thing is definitely where I shouldn't say I I shouldn't assume what Komodo is doing. But I feel like that's probably in the age range where that might be the thing that's being referenced more than anything else. Mm. Um and I don't know. Mashal was also like a very thinly skinned Harry Potter ripoff. So the idea sure. that it just deliberately lifts from other things too, doesn't surprise me. It does it in an awesome way. So I really, I just, I can't, I can't be angry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if your series is already, it's like, yeah, we're just kind of doing a best of compilation of dope shit. Then yeah, I guess that's cooler. Yeah. Uh, the- the Elden Ring scale here is very easy because uh, a character in the game gives this exact speech where they say, uh, "You really tried your best. Rest easy now. Uh, you're no longer of use to me." Uh, th- this is a character uh, Horoa Lux uh, near the end of the game gives this exact speech before they do some uh, real muscle shit, some very mashal shit because the whole game is like people with like super magic, and then there's this guy who's like, "My power is I punch super hard," and I'm like, "Buff," and that's like, it's just mashal. The Mashal shows up at the end of this game. I guess he's the one who gives the speech, which isn't quite exactly the same. but uh, it,
1: it fits. Yeah, it fits. I get it.
2: <laughs> it's close
0: enough. So Exactly. Uh. All right. The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 53, Wicked, 1335. Uh, last time, Takauchi drooled in Kiyohara's mouth, and it's making him twitch and ride the spasm on the ground uh and uh takaoji is uh, pleased by the effect that this is happening having on him uh and uh then one of then moronao one of his men is like yeah so uh according to the tengu there weren't any signs of large-scale resistance uh from the people to the mikado uh and also um doyo the priest guy that uh says the warriors of shinano are fierce Sadamune and the court nobles who dabble in warfare can't defeat them. The other day, I seduced a lady of the court, just drops that in there casually, so I could ransack a storehouse. And I found something interesting that I would like to use. Remember that a few chapters ago it was established that storehouses were being used to pass on information to different men under the premise that they were being uh, burgled. So uh so he goes off to to deal with this situation and as he walks out into the sun uh he's like oh the sunlight is washing my heart clean but even though sun is hitting him directly in the face his face is still covered in shadows and uh Marvin now says even in direct sunlight i can't read his facial expressions he is a wicked man so yeah another typical Not typical, but like another samurai character who has an absurd uh, uh, kind of appearance to belie their character. So uh, he goes home and he runs into Mima, who is his daughter. And he rubs cheeks with her affectionately and is really happy to see her. Uh, But she's like, well, you're as unreadable as ever, Dad. Uh, They dine together uh, and... uh, they 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 make a thing because he like he recites a poem and he says yeah that, that that's a poem about a crab that goes to help the Mikado and gets eaten instead. Mm. Uh, Mima talks about how she met Tokyuki doesn't say doesn't know his name of course and she's like yeah yeah I really I thought he was really impressive so I'm gonna show him around. Uh, duh, bleh, pff, sorry Doyo says what if the boy is an enemy spy, and Mima's was like. I'll oh, kill them. I'm um, chopped up and ground into paste. And he's just like, "Yeah, that's great." <laughs> and they and they they have a weird poking each other in the face um, celebration. It's weird. <laughs> the next day, Mima goes to meet up with Tokiyuki and the others, and she's like, "Ah, hey, yeah, we're 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 gonna keep on slicing." Uh, Fubuki has met up with them. Uh, this time because he was working the day before and she's like, oh, yeah, so her father is Sasaki Doyo then. Uh, he's a talented general and he now serves as a counselor with two Technology. And if you ask it of me, I will use her to get close to Doyo and find a way to take Takaoji's head. And Tokuyuki's like, nah, you put yourself in danger and I don't want to betray her friendship. He's too pure. I swear. Uh, They go off to ride uh, somewhere and Mima wants to ride on the same horse as Tokuyuki and Ayako just grabs her is like, no, you're riding with me. And she like holds her between two fingers too. They go sightseeing for a bit. We see just, you know, them going to different locations. Uh, Gamba goes diving in the like little stream. I don't think he should do that. Uh, And uh, then they get to uh, a temple to go check out some, some stuff there. We also get the explanation that King Kakuji didn't exist yet, which I was I, I would have been so frustrated if I didn't know that. I, I, I don't know Japanese landmarks very well. Uh-huh. So, uh, then Mima starts is chatting with the with the other girls and she's like, what do you like about your lord? And they're like, oh, he's kind. Oh, come on. A boy's got to stimulate you. All right. Uh, so they're. 12 so (laughs) (laughs) and people grew up a lot faster back then yeah (laughs) they had to they died much earlier so they get embarrassed and they admit that they like the fact that he's really really cool when he runs away from stuff which is like that's that's the series yes so um Fubuki uh, mentions that the Mikado have a bad reputation in the area. Mima says that the emperor has an excessive ability. He can't understand ordinary or incompetent people, so he decides everything himself. The Mikado would look positively heroic if he had one capable retainer who understood both him and the people. Which sounds like foreshadowing, honestly. Uh, The day passes, they part again, and Mima asks how long they're going to be in Kyo. And Tokyo's like, I don't really know. So she says, hey, do you want to, like, be my father's officer? It's better than, you know, being a guard for Sua. Uh, Tokyuki goes to meet with his uncle, who is dressed up like a carpenter, and his his uncle whispers to him, we're ready for war, so I'll tell you the plan. Um, And uh, the guy that they came to meet with, whose name I've already forgotten, Kinmune Kyo, I guess, uh, is like, yeah, so um, I guess we could share the plan with them And uh, so they go into Sayonji Kyo's new residence And uh, Tokiuki's Sango says That he's been making alterations to it And they say that they're going to hold a banquet there And when So it's lucky to take the first bath in a new home We will recommend it to the emperor When he enters the dressing room Ha! It drops into a pit full of swords And it will kill him That's the chapter
2: There you go <laughs> A very dramatic ending, but all I can think of is that scene where they're poking each other in the face with crab. I want you next time you come over to my place, Chris. Can we do this with zero bars? Yeah. You've left. So, there's so many zero bars in my house because of you. I just want to eat them with you, and we can just poke each other in the face can, celebratorily.
1: Can we do that and watch Lost? Of course, anything for you. I'm gonna make plans now. You can't stop me. I'm gonna come to your house and we'll eat zero bars and watch Lost and then presumably die because I have reached heaven at that point. <laughs> it's all you ever wanted. Yeah. Uh, so, gotta,
0: in, I gotta, in a chapter I centered. Visit Pennsylvania, God damn it
1: <laughs> In
2: a chapter centered on a guy with a weird face, I think Elden Ring scale is obvious. This is an 8 out of 10. It's a worm face, the name of a boss. And, uh, you know kismet again uh i spent the entire boss fight running away from warm face hey. which really fits in because you can ride your horse you can't ride your horse in every boss fight maybe not even a majority of them so when you can and he has like an instant death radius all around him warmface face does so i spent the whole fight running and everyone coming back to give him a little bap every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> the most elusive samurai fight in the game definitely
1: all right, let's move on let's... over to Black Clover, page 325, Dark Starry Night. And we're going to go real quick through this one because we still have one piece, which is, of course, <laughs> a thousand hours of content to discuss. So uh, Black Clover, the, the devil, fucking Lucifero just blows everything up. He's like, fuck you. You guys suck. <laughs> you, you guys blow. Tommy uh, <laughs> announces we have to stop him. Get bef- Get him before he strips us naked, you idiots, which is a weird phrase to
0: use. It's uh, a weird way of looking at it, but okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Asta goes into his double Union, goes for the attack, but uh, Lucifero just dodges it and is like, you are the most dangerous one to kill or the dangerous one. And yet the easiest to kill. What a quandary. And then just fucking goes to merc the shit out of him. Uh, but Yami blocks it and, you know, has a moment where he has to teleport, uh, Yami aside. Cause Yami's arm essentially gets like super fucking messed up, uh, blocking that attack. Um, you know, has a moment where he's like, huh, I can't use stars with both people at this point. I have to pick one person to rely on between Yami or Asta. Who's it going to be? And I would have lost this bet. Uh, Nature Boy Flair comes up, does a bunch of combat stuff, and hey, it turns out uh, Yami is uh, going to be the one y- uh, Yuno focuses on, because he's placing all of, his fa- uh, all of his faith on the one with Captain Vantage's sword. I'm betting on him. So, we see... Uh, Asta's there, Yuno's going to help kind of mess with things, and Yami's going to be, you know, presumably come in from the back or something like that.
0: Yeah, it seems like a big climactic moment. The fight is coming up from here. Uh, it is interesting to see how this is going to unfold. Uh, I, I think that parts of this were a little bit hard to follow, um, as some parts of Black Clover are, but. In the general idea of how things are going, yeah, I got the impression of like this really tense moment with all the strongest characters in the series all trying to fight each other. So,
2: yeah, is it supposed to be funny that the character is named Lucifero? That cracks me up. It's no. such an edgy name. <laughs> it's me, Lucifero. <laughs> uh, for the Elden Ring scale, it's four out of ten. It's a uh, Moog Lord of Blood who Aww. has the edgiest. The edgiest name in Elden Ring, the Lord of Blood, just like Lucifero. It's just a, all edge.
1: It's a bummer you couldn't have read the chapter like two weeks ago or whatever, where Lucifero finally acknowledges humans as existence and he's like, I will murder you now, like so happily.
0: <laughs> I will kill all of you. I will kill your friends, your families, your entire species. And it's like, because I acknowledge you. It's like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. So. <laughs> I, I'm still wanting, waiting for that little demon to do something because it's, <laughs> it's like it's, the Simpsons joke. Simpson <laughs> but Marge, that little demon's gonna do something soon.
1: <laughs> this chapter's gonna end. This series will end and there'll just be a bunch of crazy cool sound effects. Like, oh, well,
0: All right. One Piece, chapter 1042. The victor needs no epithet. Pretty badass. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, X-Drake fought a CP0 guy and stabbed him through the back and the guy's like what the fuck, X-Drake? And X-Drake's like, my justice tells me to do this. And the CP0 guy says that I'm envious of you. Ha! Flash steps shoot you in the face! You suck, X-Drake! It's, it's, it's the greatest sequence.
1: It's like, the CP0 sucks. This dude sucks. X-Drake sucks. Everyone came out of this situation somehow the worse. Ugh.
0: We cut it's, down. It's like
1: when six jobbers have a royal rumble against each other, and you're like, "I guess one of them had to win." But uh,
0: which of us is going to lose our t- our non-title bouts that we that this earns us?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so we cut down the flower temp- uh, capital rather briefly to see that the crowd is setting off the the lanterns. There has been this theory going on that Luffy is going to see the lanterns floating up and and will get a big burst of confidence uh, and beat Kaido and uh, the timing of that seems to match up with what happens, what else happens in this chapter. So meanwhile, Luffy is punching the fuck out of Kaido. Uh, He's using a stake man to attack him from all different directions, bending the trajectory as he does so. And Kaido's just like, stop it. Stop. Um, And he's still drunk as well. Uh, Kaido can use his hockey, of course, to predict the future. uh, And then he's like, well, what if I try copying you? And so he transforms into his dragon form so he can be all serpenty and bendy as well. And he evades Luffy's punches and then just fucking bites him. Yay! And then, um, he. All right, so you have to understand something, Austin. <laughs>
3: uh
0: huh. We have this joke on the podcast. <laughs> The Germans are in divorce.
2: <laughs> oh, I've listened to the podcast. I'm aware.
0: Okay. So he he half swallows Luffy and flies oh, way up in the yummy. air. Yummy. And then, as Luffy is like, "Let me out!" He spits out Luffy and, in the same moment, shoots blast breath and knocks Luffy into the ground. Gesundheit. And tight. Sure <laughs> blast breath goes all the way down through the island we see that it even reaches where Yamato is um so another hole's been blown through the island and Luffy falls down through it but then he takes his bounce man form and of course this way he could just bounce his way through the air because that's how rubber works mm-hmm. and he's like shit i'm running out of time on gear 4 i've got to beat him losing's not an option he flies back up to where kaido is and he says as long as you're around the people of wano won't even have clean water to drink uh, so he gets his big, massive gum gum attack ready, and Kaido's like, "You're free to take sides however you wish, but let me tell you, these Wano folk have accepted defeat into their hearts. Weaklings who shun violence, casualties who found glory in death. I've seen plenty of the losers and vanquished here, and they all have their excuses." And Luffy says, shut up! Samurai are awesome! Fuck you! (laughs) They're so cool! (laughs) Kaido gets a blast breath ready and he says, strong or just stubborn? The victor needs no epithet. So which are you? And Luffy punches him in the fucking jaw while he's getting his blast breath ready and explodes in his mouth, which is fucking awesome. That is pretty fucking rad. Kaido starts to fall backwards. Luffy goes in and gets ready to try and finish him off. But Kaido announces thunder bellow as he does so and comes in out through the smoke in his humanoid form again, hits him with a bagua again. Uh, It knocks the steam out of Luffy and he's starts to lose his strength. He's like, no, no, don't leave me. I've got to beat him. Uh, And if this doesn't, I've got to hit him one more time. If this doesn't work that I've lost, and he prepares his final gum gum attack while Kaido lunges in with his club and Kaido declares, show me what you've got, boy! And he gets another thunder bellow overbog already, or maybe Luffy's doing, no, no, Luffy's doing the over, whatever, they're both shouting. And they're shouting attack names, it's Shonen. But then, as Luffy gets his big massive fist ready, that fucking CP0 agent comes and grabs him around the shoulder and stops him from punching forward and Kaido hits Luffy in the fucking face with the club and drives him towards the ground. And Kaido looks really upset about this because their awesome fight got interrupted. And Luffy looks really um hit in the face with the club about this.
1: <laughs> yes, he doesn't have any <laughs> complex thoughts beyond ouch.
0: And the CV 0 is like, "Ha, I ruined the fight." And that's the end of the chapter.
1: It's a great end. Uh, it, uh I don't know where we're going to go from here, but it is a great callback to uh kaido beating uh odin because of yes. Mamonosuke being held hostage uh, and I, yeah and him feeling like he had that fight robbed from him and this similar moment happening here um so i'm very curious to see where we go uh i'll be very annoyed if Luffy just gets back up because he's spent like the last three chapters being like if i don't beat you here like this is the last year four i can't do it again so i don't know what happened so i'll be very curious to see what they're gonna do from here yeah Austin was this chapter comprehensible to you in any way shape or form
2: I mean yeah the basic outline of it I don't I didn't get all the nuance of it um I so I do listen to the, this show that I'm on currently although I don't read all, every one piece so there's a lot of there's a lot of little details um I gotta say on the Elden ring scale this is an easy nine out of 10 oh, wow. dragon. It's a dragonkin soldier of Noxtella, who is a half dragon person. So, I mean, obviously. And I had to fight with him. When you get him to uh, low health, he goes sicko mode and gets like even more draconic powers. And uh, I got so close to beating him once that he owned me in that form. And it felt like getting uh, you're driven into the ground by a
1: big club when you're about to beat the dragon man. So this guy's pretty terrifying. I'm looking up a picture of him. He seems like a pretty scary <laughs> dude. I'm not uh-huh. not a fan. Kind of reminds Visually, me.
2: one of the coolest bosses, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. Also, the name Noxtella is is pretty rad. <laughs> big fan of
2: that. It's yeah. This it's an underground city in the game. When you're playing Elden Ring, you're like, wow, this map is so huge. There's so much to do. I can't believe they made the game so big. And then you find an under you find an elevator that takes you underground, and there's a whole other game there. And you're like, what the fuck?
3: <laughs>
1: So. Is that where Austin was just like, oh my God, babe, babe! <laughs> <laughs> you you have, have to see, see this the shit. Grab the cat from the toilet and bring both of you here. <laughs> Fuck.
2: Fuck you. Aoife <laughs> would never.
3: Um, You've,
1: you've met Aoife. How could you slander her? She refused to hang out with me. And I love her because I will, I, I've told you, I need you to tell that cat that I love her. But, you know. I gotta I gotta I I can't pick a side don't make me choose a parent in this divorce Austin
2: I've gone through it once before (laughs) oh my god all right well this was a lot of fun I can't believe I kept up the Elden Ring thing for the whole three hours this podcast took to do (laughs) I hope that wasn't annoying I think
1: everyone loved it so let's wrap up by talking about our favorite series and our MVP yeah Uh, my favorite series this week I think I'm going to give to (sighs) I think I'm going to give it to a Banashi. I thought it was a, a good chapter, and I, I really do uh, like what it's it's delivering, and I think this series is very good. Also, yeah. I realize now, after the fact, we didn't decide if we're going to keep Earth Child in the recap.
0: <laughs> I feel like your tone was no, not I positive. No, it, uh, it, I don't think it was a really a question, okay. honestly. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we're in agreement. You want me to keep on doing this podcast with you? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Right. Go
2: back to space. No one wants you here, lady. Exactly.
1: Austin, <laughs> what was your favorite?
2: I mean, I think for my favorite series, I mean, I feel like you have to give it to Doctor Stone just like it gets a bonus point multiplier for it being the final chapter, right? Like if it wasn't if it was a regular chapter, I probably would say Spy Family just cuz that was delightful like the whole way through. Um, but just as an artist, I feel like uh, My heart goes out to anyone trying to end their whole story. You just you're out on the ledge. You're putting it all out there for the audience. And uh, you have to live with it
1: for the rest of your life. That's what you did. That's true. (laughs) You've never had that, right? Everyone's loved every ending of Dice Punk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I still
0: have nightmares. So, yeah, the
2: Dr. Stone, honestly, for the for the series of the.
0: Hey, I liked the ending of the one season that I've listened to. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I, some, I I got a job, so I suddenly sat a lot less time to listen to the podcasts. <laughs> you don't have to make excuses. It's okay.
1: I was on the show, and I didn't listen to it until eventually, hey. so, you know.
0: Oh, my favorite chapter this week, uh, I, I, I agree with basically everything that you said, Austin, but I'm taking the other line of logic on that branch path, and I'm going to just say the Spy Family was my favorite this week. I, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that Dr. Stone kind of blindsided me with some with the direction it took and I and I didn't I was so baffled by it that I didn't have a chance to feel good things about it basically. I was like, I, "Have you thought this through, Senku? <laughs> seems like a bad idea, but there's a lot of wonderful things in it. There were actually quite a few really good chapters this week, I thought. So, take your pick between several of them." So,
1: Uh, My favorite character this week, though, is that's an easy one slam dunk. It's Andy, who ripped Uh, himself into three (laughs) to murder three (laughs) very concepts of reality.
2: (laughs) Obviously, yes, I agree. I mean, that was almost my chapter pick as well. I just, how can you say no to the Mr. Skeletal reveal? (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Uh,.
0: I'm actually going to go with Kaido. Uh, I mean, you're I, wrong, but sure. <laughs> I I really I really like the, the the speech that he makes in in this chapter and how he's he's so wrong. <laughs> like it's,
2: it's how many good... fundamental forces of reality did he kill? Yeah.
0: Um <laughs> I think there are still insects in One Piece. He is so old enough. Is Odin a fundamental force of reality? The answer is yes. So It's still like three to one. <laughs> hey. um, Odin's... I don't know how many he counts for. So uh,
1: The audience, by the way, agreed 100% with Austin. He is the voice of the people. Dr. Stone and Andy as the character of the week.
2: That's what people always say about me. Voice of the people. Not yeah. a pretentious, annoying, <laughs> pedantic, overeducated, uh, fucking windbag. Populist, hey, Austin Derski. Hey, Lursky. how did you get to... Shakespeare
0: was both. That's <laughs> no,
1: true. That's
2: true. Uh, well... This is a blast. Uh, We could have gone on for another hour, honestly. (laughs) I have more to say about the Magic the Gathering manga.
1: Yeah. We're going to do another As Explained by Manga to just explain to Nick. And he's just going to let it start and then mute Mm -hmm. his mic and just (laughs) sit on his phone while we talk about Magic the Gathering for another hour and a half.
2: Do you think Tezzeret's going to betray the Phyrexians? I don't know if he's... He's like the star
1: scream of this universe. He's fucked over every person he's ever worked for, hasn't he? (laughs)
2: Who's the next to get completed? You said Angrath is a joke. What do you think, Jace? You think they're gonna no, get Jace? I think
1: they can't get rid of because unless they find a way to undo completion, they can't. I don't see them doing a gate watch. Remember, I think Jaya. I don't think we see anything in Nukapenna. I think we go back to Dominaria and Jaya gets, gets completed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nick pulled up his phone for people just listening to the audio version of this. I was hoping that maybe just end the call mid sentence. That's also funny.
1: But we have uh, to actually uh, announce the, uh, the next series.
0: Yeah. Uh, we race through this part real quick. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. We are, uh, here on twitchtv TV slash royalty Wednesdays, uh, pod, pod being iTunes, SoundCloud, patreon.com slash week manga recap, Twitter, uh, Nick F time, Rolo WMR podcasts. And, uh, I forget your handle, actually, Austin. Tell them where you, where they can find you.
2: <laughs> it's very difficult to remember. Uh, my name's Austin Yorsky, and all of my handles are also Austin Yorsky. So if you use a little mnemonic device, Austin Yorsky is Austin Yorsky. It'll be very easy to remember. Uh, Patreon.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm not anywhere else particularly interesting, but my show Dice Funk is also everywhere. This show is Podbean. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. I, if you type Dice Funk, you will find. Uh, all the people on this call and many other funny people pretending to be elves uh, talking about socialism and homosexuality. It's a good time.
1: You're you're also uh, you can go to McDonald's and just say dice funk into the <laughs> vendor and they will they'll uh. give you something. <laughs> they legally have to. Also, we are not on SoundCloud. You said SoundCloud knows. So I did. I meant we're
0: not. We're on. We I are just, on. Uh... There's
1: one person out there who's typing weekly manga recap into SoundCloud. It's like what the fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not. Sorry. Uh if you d- want, hold on,
1: I can make a SoundCloud channel. I just had to put d- music on there. So it's um I'll oh, just do my Phoenix Wright uh remixes. Uh,
3: <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> so okay.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, thank you to Winston Cheddar, Cheddar and Mile Jack Stillis for creating the opening sequence of, of Weekly Margarita Recap to Steve Man or for making uh stuff. Boobs drawn everywhere, Steve Man art. Uh, and just do it for making the Google sorry, spreadsheet that we reference for all sorts of helpful stuff like the MVP and favorite series voting. And also you can go on there and nominate a series for us to read. However, in this case, the thing that we're going to be reading is something that we were supposed to start reading a few months ago. And so we're going to start doing it now. It's time for us to get caught up on blue box.
1: Yeah. Blue box, blue box, blue box. Austin, do you want to come back with us and read about uh, a bunch of uh, hormonal teenagers who can't admit their feelings to one another?
2: I'll be here anytime you need me. Just once again, go to that back to that McDonald's, say dice funk, We'll hand you a sword through the drive-through window, and then you just plunge that into a stone and say my name, and I'll appear.
0: for whatever reason, when you came to the McDonald's part, I didn't imagine you going somewhere and like speaking into like the the radio box, whatever you call that to for the drive-through. I also didn't imagine going to the counter for some reason. The thought that came to my head was going to the soft drink dispenser and say. <laughs> <laughs> one dice funk please
3: and you,
1: you hit the, the diet sprite tap and the sword <laughs> just comes out
2: <laughs> that people say the McDonald's sprite tastes different than store bought sprite that's because there's a sword in there
3: <laughs> mm,
2: the, the metal gives it as a unique flavor gives it that taste
1: alright everybody that's it goodbye
2: <over>.